What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite-only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. All right, let me start it the way I always do, uh, whether it's my man tone, whether it's the gun, whatever the case may be, you'll appreciate this tone. All right, so we are now nine hours and five minutes away from game two of the NLCS as the Phillies lead one nothing. Welcome in, everybody. Happy Sports Take. Happy Tuesday. What is up, Tone to Shields in for D-Gun today? How you doing, my man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm still flying high. Off of this Phillies win last night, man. They came out the gate bussing. And I'm I'm super happy for this team, man. Again, it's only one game, seven more wins to go. But we got to be honest, man. The way these the way this team is playing right now, Woo. they're playing like a team that's focused on a mission. They're playing like the Arizona Diamondbacks are just another domino. You yes. know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. playing like this team is just another, another stepping stone to the ultimate goal. And I love how focused they are. Really quick, real quick, real quick, Rob. Let me let me cook for a second. I understand Bryce Harper is the man right now. He's the he's the man of the city, the man of the hour. He was the birthday boy yesterday. Got his home run, yeah. three RBIs or two RBIs, if I'm not mistaken. But man, I'm in love with Nick Castellanos right now, man. Yeah. I'm I, I, I'm I'm he needs to get loved up some more. Not yeah. only is he balling, yeah. but he has some of the most cold blooded. Icicles in your veins. <laughs> Post game interviews. Oh. I don't. <laughs> I, I I don't know what John Clark is asking him, but it's it's setting him up properly to give us these give us these legendary post game interviews, man. Like Nick Cassianos, that dude is just on a mission, especially thinking about where he came from in the city. He's very literal. Like you better ask him exactly what you want to like. 
hey man, tell me about the home run in the third inning. You went down and got it. If you just if you just give him like a statement, he's going to be like, is there a question there? He is a very <laughs> literal cat, man. I, I will tell you that. But yeah. I like him, man. I like. Oh that. no, he's different. He is different, man, and he is he is on fire right now. I see everybody. I see Steve. I see Ike. I see Jim. I see Blutorian. I see Tina Dynasty. What is up, everybody? Hope you're doing well, Jim G. If I missed anybody, sorry. It is going fast and furious. But yeah, man, there's a lot going on here uh, with this team. And for them to come out of the shoot, I mean, you just think about it, Tone. So the top of the first, you know, Wheeler just mows him down. And you could tell he was locked in right away. And then bottom of the first, Schwarber, I mean, some people were probably up getting a drink out of the fridge if you weren't at the game. Like, whoa. And he hits a rocket shot. Two batters later, Harper just continues his tear that he's on. And then the next inning, it's Castellanos. It, it's That has got to be so hard for a team in the first game of a series on the road in that insane asylum that they call, you know, Citizens Bank Park. Uh, you know, Zach Gallon, their pitcher's head must have been just spinning after that happened. I'm, he's, he's honestly lucky that he made it as far as he did. Yeah. Because... I thought they were going to pull him in the third, but I got to respect their manager, man. He he, he said, listen, you're going to fight through this because <laughs> I'm not ready to go to this bullpen yet. Like yeah. there was a point in the game where the announcers were like, Gallon's giving up three homers and they don't have anybody warming up in the bullpen. What are they doing? Right. <laughs> you know, so, right. um, you know, I, I got to give credit where credit is due when it comes to this Phillies team. They, they just, like I said, they're a team on a mission. I love the way uh, Rob Thompson is managing the game. I'll admit I was nervous. When Sir Anthony got on the mound, oh. because he he di he didn't even last. He didn't even last. Alvarado had to bail him out. But things things got a little sticky after Wheeler gave up that home run. That you know that two uh run home run. So listen, man. At the end of the day, they got the win. They held on. They jumped on this young Diamondbacks team early, and that's what you kind of have to do with these with, with these young teams, right? You got to let them know. Listen, I understand you're here, but there's levels to this thing. Yes, and. That's exactly what the Philadelphia Phillies did. That's a good way to put it. Uh, it's a good way to put it. You know, the the Diamondbacks had been – well, I think the Rangers are the hottest team. They still haven't lost a game. But the, the Diamondbacks came in undefeated too. And you basically set a tone right away, you know, that this is what it's going to be uh, tonight. You're, the pitching is going to be great from Wheeler, and the bats are still going to be juiced and on fire like they had been, you know. And, I mean, you think about some of these numbers that they're putting up, Tone. I mean, they've out-homered their opponents now 16-4. to four in the postseason i mean you know it's crazy what, what they're doing here um seven and oh but let's talk about rob thompson for a minute there's seven and oh in game ones in the last two postseasons under rob thompson this team's ready to play when they step on the field under this guy they just deliver at home by the way uh they yeah. just deliver it's unbelievable you know what what he's done since taking this thing over i think he's the perfect mix of just kind of steady guy versus knowing, you know, just 10 steps ahead, managing, mm -hmm. et cetera. He's really got a feel for this group. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that, right? You know, you brought up the fact that they have uh, 16 home runs to their opponents, what, four? Yes. Uh, in the postseason. You know, sure, you know, the bats are hot, yeah, but that speaks to the starting pitching, and that speaks to the bullpen as well. I don't think the bullpen has given up a home run and so far in the postseason, have they? Or are they getting a one? I, I can't. I'm not entirely sure, oh. but I don't. I don't think the bullpen has given up a home run. Right. And you know, you bring up, you know, you know why you, you know, why you sit with that. You bring up Rob Thompson. You know, I'll admit, throughout the season, you know, whenever we had the, whenever we had the opportunity to talk, I'm sure you remember this. I always question: Do you think he's too lax with this team? Yeah, I've always questioned: Is 
how how is he balancing this right is he losing the locker room you know does he have full control over this thing yeah and i think i figured it out maybe his personality isn't necessarily made for the full stretch of a season but when it comes to the playoffs when it comes to those high pressurized moments there's no better there's no guy you want out there better so um rob thompson He's showing that that contract, that extension was worth it. And again, just his ability to manage the bullpen. You know, a lot of people are always shocked when, when, they, when they go with Sir Anthony uh, Dominguez earlier on and, and Alvarado earlier on because they're more so like the closer type kind of guys, right? Right. But, you know, he he he's found this formula and then Kimbrell comes in, gave us a little scare, but did his thing and nailed it in. That double play to end the game was just was just, was just immaculate, man. Immaculate. Oh, no, yeah, and that's the thing. How about the improvement that Bohm's made? I mean, Bohm yeah. was a guy who who was really in a lot of ways a butcher. I mean, let's be honest. And he's really transformed himself into into solid to good as a fielder. He's not great, but I mean, there was no hesitation, man. He fields that second, first, boom, boom, and it was just turned it. Exactly what they needed, man. And, and you're right. Like Kimbrel, I think, is just going to make us sweat every time. It's never going to be clean. It's never going to be easy. We're, we're all, all of us are going to need some, some Pepto, you know, at watching the guy. But I'm telling you, like, he generally somehow, some way figures out a way to get it done in the yeah. end. Although yeah. it's, you know, you're sitting there like, I don't know about you. Are you the same way I am? Like last night, the game ends and you're, you, you go through so many emotional, like, right, right. you know, tumble salts in your head i can't sleep after the games are over like i'm tired but i'm just laying there like blood, you know, blood still crazy. boiling i i know i know yeah. you know i get that way i get that way with the eagles I yeah get, you know it's, it's so funny i talk to my wife about this all the time i am so emotionally invested in philly sports like yeah. too sometimes yeah yeah it can, it can affect me physically <laughs> you know <laughs> Yes, it affects me physically. But real quick about Kimbrel, man, you you, you watch this guy play much more than I have. What's this thing he does, man? Before he goes that oh walk- the crane, he goes I, into that crane move. I yeah. love it, man. Yeah, he's basically he's giving you this. He's it's like, something about it. It's 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 something smooth. It's something cold yeah. about it. it yeah. Like, it's something martial art esque about it. Yes. I don't know. It's That's a good way it. to put it. Yeah. It, it's sort of like, all right, now it's time for business. I'm flipping the switch. Like as yeah. soon as the arms go down, it's like everything else, boom. There's a there's a good move. It's it's good. It's not great. There's a movie called Love of the Game. Did you ever see that with Kevin Costner? He's a pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. I know I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen it. All right. So if you get a chance, about. check it out. It, it's more of kind of like a love story with him and Kelly Preston, but okay. but he's a pitcher for the Tigers. And a long story short, he's at the end of his career, and he knows he's probably done. He's he's in his last year; it's his last start. Okay, and they're taking on the Yankees, and 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 basically, he's getting through the first couple of innings. He doesn't have a lot left anymore. He's just you know he's at the end of his career. But anyway, he gets to about the seventh inning, and it dawns on him like, I got a perfect game going here, right? And his arms killing him. His shoulder is just barking. His elbow hurts. The whole nine. But one of the things he does in the game. In the in the movie, is um, when he locks in, okay, and he has a term for it. I'm drawing a blank on it. It's something like, oh god, people in the chat, let me know if you know what I'm talking about. The Kevin Costner movie called The Game, something about the noise, okay? okay. And he compartmentalizes where you can't hear anything in the stadium, and he just goes. Vroom. That's I think that's when Kimber goes into the crane. 
that's that's when it happens, man. I'm telling you, it's it's unbelievable. It's awesome. But anyway, it's but awesome. that's a good observation. Like he's one of those guys. The, the beauty is he's seen everything, and there's no moment that's too big for him. The other part is he maybe doesn't have quite the stuff that he had back in the day because he's got some tread on the tire. But still, I mean, there, there's no moment where he's going to be scared or it's too big for him. That's the good thing about Kim. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. You know, at the end of the day, I think, I think that the way this game turned out, and look, you got to give the Diamondbacks credit. You right, you know, they fought back. At, you know, after they got jumped on early, they could have, they could have got flustered and stumbled completely, but they worked their way back and. They were literally one swing away from tying a game up they many were. times. They, they, so, this is not going to be easy. This is not a. It's called clear the mechanism. I just looked it up. So okay. Costner does a thing where he he clears the mechanism, and he okay. locks in. That's kind of a good way to go through life. Time to you know it's showtime. I'm going to clear the mechanism and just lock in on the show. Man, I I I can definitely use that sometimes. In life, though. we could all use it. Yeah, I think clear the mechanism. There's a lot of noise around us in life, but anyway. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. Like most teams in that case, Tone would have lost that game eight nothing. Arizona didn't lay down, and they're not going to lay down. There's a reason why they came into this game five and zero oh, and having mm-hmm. swept their first two series. This is tonight is going to be a battle. If anybody thinks the Phillies just show up, it ain't happening. You you got to you, you better play your A game, or this team will beat you a hundred percent. Absolutely. You know you know my final question for you for when it comes to the Phillies. Yeah. Do you think this is shaping up? And, and and what I mean by this is like, do you like do you think? Okay, so if the no, no, at this point in at this point in the playoffs, no right. matter if the Phillies make it to the World Series, they have the better record out of everybody left. Yeah. They'll have home field advantage, correct? If they if make the, it to the World no, Series, no, no, they would have it against Houston. Okay, and they would not have it against the Texas Rangers. Okay, okay, yeah. well, yep. okay, that kind of uh, moves to my point. But nonetheless, though, um, I think this Phillies team, they're ready for the big time. I think I can't think of any better time year. If they if if they don't do it this year, I can't think of a year they do it beyond this. I agree. I, look, I think there's a lot of things going on. Clear the mechanism. Thank you, Steve. Yes, uh, and, and <laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but thank you, uh, Rob. You're the noise. That's why we watch the show. <laughs> Mr. Thank Ted. you, Mr. Tess. No, I I think I I, uh, I don't think it I don't think it's this year or bust. But Tone, here's the thing: when you keep getting close. And you can't close it out. It wears it, down. It's harder and harder every year. Like you got to within game six last year, the World Series and lost. Like I, it feels like they're on a mission. Take care of your business now. And don't, I mean, to get there again and get close would be heartbreaking to have to keep coming back. That's why, you know, we talked about it with the Eagles. When you get that close in the Super Bowl, man, it is hard the next year. And we're seeing it, right? I mean, I know they're five and one. Just to segue into the Eagles here, what the hell? But Perfect segue. The, no, but I, I think, you know, because they're five and one and we all appreciate how, how hard it is to win in this league, but you and I, and everybody who watches this team every week also knows that they haven't quite looked like the same team and there's something's off. I don't know how to explain it exactly, but they're, they're off. And yeah, I, I think part of it is it's hard to come back when you get your heart broken and ripped out. You're up 10 at the half and you lose by three in a Super Bowl, man. It sucks, and it's hard mentally to climb that mountain again. I I do think they have enough people to do it, but it's hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the thing is, <clears throat> you know, with the five and one start, you know, they're showing at least right now that they're still able to maintain some level of uh, some level of momentum in terms of winning. Yeah, but it hasn't looked quite the same, right? You know, right. there's there, there's something, and you said it. There's something off 
about this Philadelphia Eagles team. The defense, we knew it was going to be a project. We knew the yeah. defense was going to, you know, it was going to be a, a season-long developing yeah. process, you know, especially with the new defensive coordinator. And so far, the defense, from a coaching perspective, has been the most impressive. Yeah. And I, they I thought the side did an awesome job last week. Yeah. All things and, considered. And they've sustained the most injuries. Yep. So when you think about it from that perspective, you had to give Sean Desai the credit he deserves for making do with what he has. Now, are, now, am I a fan of uh, of the scheme in general? No. I like my corners playing a lot much closer to the line of scrimmage. But all things considered, I think Sean Desai has done a spectacular job with making do with what he has. And I believe the front seven has been playing a lot, a lot better lately. Um, they're getting more sacks. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're closing out more games. Obviously, that Jets game. That should have been another closeout for yeah. them, but offense do, didn't do their job, and that goes and that goes to my point about the other side of the ball. Yeah, the offense they pretty much have everything intact, damn mm -hmm. near. Yet they seem the most disjointed. And I'm curious to know what you know. What are some of your thoughts? You know about just what I just said. Like, I, yeah, it, it, it kind of blows my mind how disjointed they are. Again, it's a new coordinator with Brian Johnson. I knew there was going to be something to tweak, something to work on, something yeah. that needed time to develop. But they just appear to be disjointed. And I'm curious to know, what are you seeing? Because later on in the show, I'm going to break down deeper into what I believe is going to be their downfall if they don't get it handled. Okay. I, I see a couple things. I, I see a team that doesn't have a counterpunch to what teams are doing to them this year. They're taking away a lot of the stuff that they like to do last year, a lot of the bread and butter stuff. And I don't see the Eagles with a counterpunch. And I think that falls on Nick Sirianni. I think it falls on Brian Johnson. I think they need to – I'm not excusing Jalen Hurts because he made some bad throws on Sunday, but I think they need to put him in a better position to succeed, and they haven't done that so far. And that's the mark of a good coaching staff. When you, Whenever you have success in that league, the, the guys on the other teams are way too smart not to figure out something to take away. And I think what we're seeing from opposing defensive coordinators and defenses in general is they've figured the Eagles out, and the Eagles haven't figured out what, what to go to off of that. I think that's one thing. You know, I think the other is there's not. I don't see a, a flow a lot of times in, in the in the offense in terms of call play, uh, play calling. In other words, like, all right, this is working. We can exploit this. Let's keep going at this. Like they did it in a couple games in Tampa and Minnesota where they just ran it down their throat. But in terms of the passing game, I haven't seen a real rhythm. Like when was the last time? Think about it. This year they played six games. And I know AJ's having a monster year, but when was the last time you felt like, damn, man, look at the passing game. Look at that series. They were just slicing and dicing. Now, the Eagles would argue we went 19 plays on the first drive, 18 of which were passes, and we ended up scoring a touchdown, and people are still complaining. And and I, I understand where they're coming from when you say something like that. I have a response but, to that, but go ahead. Yeah, but I would just say bigger picture sample of this, it feels to me like – not everybody's still on the same page yet offensively where last year it felt like everything was simpatico and it's not that this year. You know, when it comes to that 19 play drive, right? Here's my thing about that. Yeah. It looked good. Don't get it twisted. It looked good. Mm -hmm. But here's my thing. That was the script. That was what they drew out. That was the plan. Good, good point. Yep. The, 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 the problem, the plot, the problem is the fact that, they can't get off script. Brian Johnson has a, a, a legit issue adapting on the fly. We've seen the team look good 
on script. Yep. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. And Scott, and Scott chairs in the live chat. He says, Tone, don't say the players were scripted. <laughs> don't say it. He said, I do it. Listen, Scott. No, they always do that. that Scott, that's not a bad Every yeah. NFL team scripts their first couple drops. Every NFL that's team. That's not a bad thing, Scott. That, that's, that, 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 that's, that's, that's normal. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, you want to come up with a plan. You want to you, you want to throw your first punch, right? So yeah. Yeah. Um, every team comes up with a script. That's that's normal across the NFL. Yeah. But what separates the great offensive coordinators from just the average? are the guys who are able to adapt on the fly, who got, the guys who are able to be in that ring and respond yep. after getting punched, the counterpunch, slip, you know, bob and weave, sticky move, the guys yep. that know how to respond to getting punched in the mouth. And every time Brian Johnson gets punched in the mouth, he doesn't seem like he knows what to do. It yeah. seems like, he, you know what it seems like what they do, honestly, if you ask me? It seems like when he runs into a brick wall, AJ, Jalen Hurts, makes something happen. I agree. And teams are keying in on it. Yeah. And, and, and you saw it in the Jets game. No, I think you're right. And I think we're, we're getting some good points in the chat. I, Mr. Taz, Driscoll, that hurt. There's no doubt. I mean, Driscoll came in and eight pressures on 43 snaps. Yeah. Like when you're used to Lane Johnson, who, who you know, no one even gets near your quarterback. So that that's a big deal. I get it. You drop off and they did get good news, by the way, just on Lane Johnson for people who may not have known. So what they're calling it, Tone, is a lateral ankle sprain. Not to be not to believe to be long term. His status for this week is up in the air. We know he's tough. If he can go, he'll go. I almost would rather like protect him against himself this week. I know it's Miami. Believe me, before mm-hmm. everybody starts going crazy about that, I get it. But do I? I would rather him heal than be dragging that thing around all season. You know. Anyway, but so I I do think that's real and that's a part of it. Like and Scott says, you know, Johnson's offense was was ranked second. Yes, they were. Um, but and then I, I saw that that Steve said the Jets front seven didn't play terrible. They didn't. But here's the thing: if you look at the Jets' defensive numbers this year, mm-hmm. anything but special. Like they're talented, but teams have been scoring up. And and to me, that doesn't excuse you getting shut out entirely in the second half. Wouldn't like, you say those defensive numbers for the Jets are a little bit skewed though, because of because how the bad offense. the off the, sure like the, that that we all know what it's like. We all know what it looks like when your defense is playing seventy percent of the time, right? Yeah. You know, we, yeah. we we do with the teams, right? Yeah. We, we keep their defense on the field and they when they wear down. That, let's let's be totally frank about this. You know, the last thing I want to do is take anything away from the Jets' defense because you know as much as we you know crap on Zach Wilson and that offense. Yeah. It's the Eagles offense versus the Jets defense, right? You know, yeah. not you know, not Eagles offense versus Jets offense. That Jets defense was already slated. Last year, I think they were a top five defense. And this year, not so much, but we, as, as I explained why, you know, they've been on the field 70, 80% of the time. The offense can't sustain jobs, so they're getting wore down. Right on. I you know what I mean? Not, not because they're not good. Because that when you think of that, when you look at that defense from top to bottom, they're talented, arguably they one of are. the most talented defenses in the NFL. And that, that's why it's going to be brutal for them. Like if they, you know, had they had Aaron Rodgers, that's a dangerous, dangerous mm-hmm. team. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. Like everybody likes to just dump. Zach Wilson's okay. He's not special, but he's not. He's not what everybody makes him out to be. The worst quarterback that's ever walked the face of the earth, either. So yeah, I get and, that. yeah, and you know this. The reality is, as much as we had high hopes. You know, for Brian Johnson and where are we? Six weeks deep. We're going into week seven. Yeah. I expected this offense to look a lot better by this point. And look, I think a lot, you know, a lot of people, when when, when you talk about the offense, they say, well, they're moving the ball up and down the field. Sure. But now this is my question for you, Rob. Yeah. Is this team 
succeeding in spite of Brian Johnson? Or are they moving the ball as well as they are because of Brian Johnson? Because if you ask me, if you if somebody asked me uh, either or, are the, is the offense moving the ball in spite of Brian Johnson or is he really helping them? I would say in spite of because the moment they get into the red zone, everything just falls flat on, you know, flat on its face. And I, in my opinion, I feel like red zone is when you really got to earn your money as the OC because the real Less estate field. is... The yeah. real estate is smaller, mm -hmm. less field. So now you really have to, your play design has to be spectacular. Your scheming has to be spectacular, right? Because teams, you know, teams bunker down in, in the red zone. And I, I'm, I'm just not seeing the creativity from Brian Johnson in the red zone. I saw creativity on that first drive against the Jets. Yeah. But let's be frank about this, too. It took them until the fourth down to get into the to get to get into the end zone, and they almost. And even really then, I, I'm still. I got to tell you, I'm not 100 percent sure what happened on that I, play, and I looked at about 10 replays on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not 100. percent He even got it. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. my point is, like, think think about what it's taking for them to just get I in agree. the end zone. I agree. It was Let's, so sloppy down uh, down there. Let me answer. I, I think that right now it's in spite of them. Now. um, in fairness, I will say this to Brian Johnson because I have been saying this and I want to be consistent. Mm -hmm. In his defense, it, it is it, there is an adjustment period that has to be allotted for, I think. Like, if it still looks this way out of the bye when you're playing all the killers in the schedule, then I think it's it's open season to, to knock the guy. But I, I think we do have to give – and I also don't think Jalen's playing his A game. Oh, no, absolutely You know, not. like, no, I think we're, there we're are plays – yeah, like I think there's plays that are drawn up that frankly are fall on his shoulders. Like that the, the interception throw is just a terrible decision. And that's not a coach's fault. That's the that's the quarterback's fault. And Jalen's got to be better. And he is capable of being better. So yeah. you know, I, I think that I, I think Brian Johnson wears some of this. I think Nick wears some of it. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as the as the overseer of that offense and yeah, I think Jalen's got to be better, man. Unless those three all collectively step up their game, your defense isn't good enough to carry you. You know, like the Jets' defense might be able to carry Zach Wilson to a maybe a consideration of a wild card. Mm -hmm. The Eagles is, isn't. The defensive line is, but the rest of it is not for the yeah. Eagles. I'll, you know, you know, I'll, you know, I'll say this, um, and then I'll let you take it away. <laughs> you know, the reason I'm hard on Brian Johnson, and look, I'm gonna keep it real with you, Rob. The last thing I want to do is, you know, pussyfoot around and, and tiptoe around the real, you know, the real thing. I'll be honest. Brothers don't get too many opportunities like Brian Johnson has. Right. You know what I'm saying? Not too many, not too many brothers, you know, get that OC role that could potentially become a head coach. And not too many brothers get that opportunity. Right. So I actually want him to succeed. Yeah. I want, I want him to do well. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is for it to look like another brother coming at another brother because of what he because of what he's doing or not doing. I want him to succeed. That's 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 the guy on the street from my heart. Yeah, I, no, I, I know that's where you're the, from. Yeah. That's the that's the personal side of it for me, right? Yeah. I want him to succeed. And then I look at it like this: the Eagles are a team, and fans, help me out with this. We have high expectations for this organization. Yeah. This Eagles team has always been in the mix since Jeffrey Lurie has taken over ownership for this Philadelphia Eagles franchise. And we always expect success. We expect commitment. We expect diligence. We, we expect the highest of work ethics. You know, we expect this team to be able to compete. We know the culture of the city. Rob, born and raised here. You get it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We know the culture of the city. We know what goes into it. 
we know how much we sacrifice for this organization, how much money, how much money we put up for this team, how much money we invest in merch, time, um, time. concessions, yeah. time, you know, yeah. showing up to these tailgates. We put in so much blood, sweat, and tears with these guys. Right. Sure, they're, sure, they're putting in the work, uh, you know, in, in, in the weight room and all that kind of stuff, but we ride with these guys to the wheels fall off. We rode with them through the 411 in one mm -hmm. season, and we're definitely going to ride with them now. But when you set that expectation, right? You know, I always, I, I said this when we won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They should have never gave us one because <laughs> because because now now I don't know how to act. I'm and I'm speaking for me. I'm I'm starving. I'm yeah, thirsty, but there, there, I'm no. But the, here's the thing: you're making it sound like you're almost crazy. Like I don't know how to act. You, here's the thing: when you win one five years ago and whatever it is now six years ago, and you come up this close last year, the bar's only set on one notch. There's one notch, and it's win it. Think about it. Even if you're Kansas City. You just won a Super Bowl. You're not as hungry. You're not. I'm not. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't going out there and giving everything he had. I'm talking about from a fan perspective, the way we view it. You're not as hungry the year after you win it. We're starved, man, because we were like right there, and we're at the door, and we're like opening it, about to step in, and then somebody shut it on us. And so you know what it, it takes to get there. You know what it feels like to get there and win it when they beat the Patriots. And then last year, you thought you were going to have that feeling again. So it's the same thing with the Phillies are doing. You can draw parallels with both of these teams. Eagles lose by three in the Super Bowls. Eagles, Phillies lose in game six. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Everything else is great. This is I love what the Phillies are doing right now. It's mm -hmm. awesome. But for now, for now, it, it's it's the, <laughs> it, it's the semis, man. And then it's about the World Series and finishing the job for the Eagles. All of this is a prelude to winning a Super Bowl. Like this is all great. You want to have an awesome regular season. You want to stay healthy more than anything else. But Make no mistake, man, even getting there and losing is short, is a failure, in my opinion. I'm, I'm with you on that. And, you know, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll end it on this note, right? Imagine you finally get the opportunity to take home the prom queen. You, you, you've got the opportunity. All you right. got to do, do is walk her to her front door, and you pray to God she lets you in. And guess what? Yeah. She says, you know what? Thanks for the ride home. I'll see you at school tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. That's yep. what it was like to lose that Super Bowl. That's what it's like when you're a Philly fan, when you come this close. You were you were so close to being invited in for coffee by the prom queen. In for coffee. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. And guess what? You know what she said? See you at lunchtime, you, playboy. You, Thanks for the ride. what she did? She put you in the friend zone. Oh, he put when you in you, the friend you can zone. Put the friend, is there anything worse? Like losing the Super Bowl, losing a World Series, like you get some accolades, but – you're not it's still not the, the deal. same. It's, it's not the same. same. You got you know what I mean? like you got pictures at the prom with the hot girl. Yeah. But hey, that's about I got it. pictures with her. I got her phone number. You know, yep. I met her mom, met her yep. dad. But guess what? You still ain't get the cup of coffee. No, man. Oh. I agree with you. you I still agree. Ain't with get you. it. All right, let, let's come back, and we got a bunch of stuff we got to hit. I, we're going to get into a little bit further some of the areas of concern with the offense, in particular, whether it's red zone, whether it's the the run game kind of dissipating a little bit. You know, what you do, Who should it be Driscoll if Johnson can't go? Yes. Yeah, Steve, you're right. She ain't clearing no mechanisms, my friend. Nope, nope, nope. Not when you're in the friend zone. No mechanisms are cleared. Um, so we'll do that. Um, we'll get into some other things. We're going to have Matt Lombardo. Matt's a, a guy who covers the entire league. He keeps a very close eye on the birds because he covered the birds for a very long time. But he's the senior national NFL insider for Fan Buzz. He's going to join us at 1230. We'll talk birds with him. We'll talk NFC. We'll talk NFC East. We'll jump around a little bit with Matt. So I'm looking forward to that. We have our usual NFL segment coming up as well. 
Tony and I, at the end of the show, we'll give our predictions for game two of the uh, of the Phillies and the Diamondbacks tonight and LCS. So we got a lot in store for you. You don't want to go anywhere. He's Tone. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let me tell you about Bravo Pizza of Havertown. Yes, thrilled that they are a part of the station, a part of the show. I've been going there since I was a kid. They're family-owned since 1985. You got Alex and the crew in there every single day just putting out the best food possible. 20 different styles of pizza daily. Slices to go. I, I say to you all the time, I just had a slice. I just heated up a slice before the show, honest to God, uh, of the upside down. But they have the you, you name it, they'll make it. Specialized pizza your way. And it's not just pizza. It's fresh pasta. It's sandwiches. It's wraps. It's wings. It's salads. Anything that you want. Uh, you could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. Also, Bravo Pizza is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charities, for schools, for little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You can find them at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. That is 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Give them a call, 610-446-3810. 610-446-3810. Here's a little bit more from Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We were big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Shields hanging out today. Good to have Tone with us as always. He's uh, double duty, double dipping, as we say, uh, pushing all the right buttons, doing all the right things, and also hanging out with us talking. Sports. I do my best. I do my best. You're, you're the man. You're the man. Uh, all right. So, a couple things, Tone, um, on last night. The Phillies are doing some historical things. I just want to throw this at you real quick. So, uh, Wheeler last night goes six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, no walks, just three hits allowed. He's 2 and 0 with a 237 ERA uh in the postseason and he retired 17 uh, 15 batters in a row last night. He had 17 first pitch strikes for the 21 that he faced. That's incredible stuff. He's now got the lowest opponent's OPS, that's on base plus slugging percentage through 9 starts in the postseason, which is flat out awesome. And he's got an 070 ERA or, or uh, whip. Um you know, you can set such a tone when when a guy comes out and pitches the way that he pitches, not only against the other team, but for your team. And and just think about last night. And in, in, in usually when you talk about a perfect storm, it's a perfect storm of bad things happening. But last night was Wheeler setting the tone, the guys hitting home runs right away, and a crowd that is just at a fever pitch every second. You know, I mean, even even last night watching the game, listening to the the TBS announcers, the national announcers, it was Brian Anderson and Ron Darling. And Jeff Francoeur, like they even can't believe what they're seeing with this crowd because they're on their feet basically the entire game. It's wild. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm watching that game and, you know, there were moments, especially when, you know, Arizona started to kind of fight back a little bit. There were moments where I was like, OK, is are the are the Phillies going to ruin Bryce Harper's birthday or you know, are, <laughs> are, are they, they going to below this thing? Because, again, there was a moment, I believe uh, I can't remember what inning it was, but. They had bases loaded. And, oh, yeah. There were some um, scary moments, man. And, uh, you know, the Phillies could have really cracked this thing open, but they couldn't, you know, but they couldn't do it. it the, uh, the score was stuck at five, and the Arizona starts fighting back, and Wheeler gives up, Wheeler gives up the two-run homer. And then uh, Sir Anthony allows uh, another run on an error. You know, things were just starting to unravel towards the end, but the bullpen came up. Deep, deep, the defense played well. I mean, during the season – I feel like this is a game they probably would have lost. I mean, you tell yeah. me, Rob. Yeah, no, good point. Yeah, it feels like one of those games they would have blown late. It does feel like that. Yeah. You know, so you know, so when I look at it from that perspective, I see a different, at least to me, they appear to be an entirely different animal in the playoffs mentality. You know, the way they're approaching the plate, the way the bullpen is responding. This team is literally feeding off each other. Yeah. And, you know, that begs the question, right? What 
could, what can knock this Phillies team off their square? They seem so composed. They seem so focused. You know, I, I ask you this. If something was to go wrong for this Philadelphia Phillies team, where do you anticipate or where could, where could you possibly imagine it coming from? Um, well, when, when you do hit as many long balls as the Phillies hit, you can get streaky and you can go cold and, and you may not be playing as much small ball as you could. The other thing is they continue to leave men on base a lot and you survived it a bunch in the, in the Atlanta series. You keep doing it. You're really tempting fate. And they were able to do it again last night. Um, and, and it almost came back to haunt them because Arizona chipped away a little bit. But if you look at it last night, Phillies two for 10 with runners in scoring position. They left seven. So I, I would say that would probably be number one. Uh, I would say, you know, number two, this series, you're going to have to use your fourth starter. And I don't know if he's going to go with Christopher Sanchez, which I would prefer him to do, or Taiwan Walker. Sanchez scares you because he has very little experience. Taiwan Walker, even though he has a lot of wins, was a guy who gave up a lot of runs in games that he pitched this year, and the offense bailed him out. That's a little troubling, a little bit. Now, the, the other thing is, don't you got to get tonight. You don't get tonight. Arizona comes back feeling great about themselves, uh-huh. having split, you know, basically split in Philadelphia. And here's the other thing. This series is a 2-3-2. Two, two. So if you lose tonight, you go back to Arizona for three games. Wow. Okay. It's not a 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. See, that's what I'm used to. I'm used to the 2-2-1-1. Two, two, one, one. Yeah, but that's a basketball. 2-3-2. So this is a that's a very big deal in a series like this to get both. Nola, this Nola last year, if you remember in the postseason, pitched great his first couple of outings, then hit a wall in the NLCS and the World Series. Tonight, what, are tonight. We getting, what are we getting from Nola tonight? You need tonight. good Nola tonight. You need to win this game tonight, is my point. Like, say you take these two, um, and you you know, you can squeeze one or two. Say you take these two and you can get one game in Arizona. You come back to Philly for the last two, you know, potentially up three, two. You only have to really get one in Arizona. Uh, so this game tonight is mo- as big as it was to set the tone last night. This game is monstrous tonight for the Phillies. Yeah. You know, you brought up a good point about Aaron Nola. I think he's, there's a different motivation for him. I think at this point, obviously the contract, but you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a guy that's real big on emotion, right? Real mm-hmm. big on passion, real big on, um, life impacting the game and vice versa. I think Aaron Nola, along with that contract, obviously, I think, I think with that baby on the way, right? There's, right. you know, there's there's something to that, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a certain, there's a different kind of motivation that you get from that. You know, I think about Joel Embiid. You know, he won his MVP, and he felt he he's and matter of fact, not even the MVP prior to prior to that when he had his when he had his uh, his son, yeah. he said to himself. I want my I want my son to you know to know that his dad was one of the greatest, mm-hmm. and you saw a, a switch get flipped with Embiid in terms of preparation, in terms of how he approached the game, in terms of just his domination. Yeah, and you know he eventually was able to uh, eventually able to snag that MVP award. You know, you know he he accepted the award with his son right there in tow. And I'm real big on the emotional side of the game, right? Because you know it's yeah. real easy to get caught up in the X's and O's. It's real easy to get caught up in you know, the statistics and the analytics, but, you know, we have real life human beings playing these sports and there's a certain aura. There's a certain electricity right now flowing through the Philadelphia Phillies right now. And I need them to capitalize on as much as they possibly can. I think Aaron Nola gets the win tonight. I, I look, I'm with you. I, I love the adjustments he made 
what it's looked like the last three, four, actually four starts going back. Very good point. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good about him. Got to talk about Harper here. Um, What this guy's doing is incredible, Tone. So two for three last night, home run to start in his first at bat, RBI single later. He did walk, so he was on base three times. Postseason right now, 409 average, 567 on base, 955 slug, four home runs, seven RBIs. That's in just seven games. Uh, One more on this. Career OPS in the postseason. He's third all time in the history of baseball. The only guys that are ahead of him, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, are the only two guys with a higher OPS in the postseason. You know, we always talk about our athletes and we want our guys to be the best when the the lights are shining the brightest, right? Mm -hmm. And Nick Foles, I think, embodied that for that run when when the Eagles won it over the Patriots. Like you, The way he played in the NFC Championship game against the Vikings and then the way he went toe-to-toe with Brady and then out, you know, out-dueled him in that game was, was nothing short of incredible. I, I don't know where we'll, see, we'll ever see something like that, like somebody out of nowhere again like that. But in terms of like eating up the big moments, Harper lives for this stuff. I mean, he lives for it, whereas other guys shrink. He wants it bad. He wants it to mean everything. He wants every at-bat to be critical. And he delivers, it feels like, every single time. He has been... I, I just think about this contract, 13 years, 330 million. We all sort of were like at, kind of simultaneously laughing and saying, you got to be kidding me. He's outplayed the contract so far. That's a, that's a good point. Another thing, you know, that needs to get talked about is how much grief he got in Washington about his playoff performances, right? A lot of people yeah. felt like, a lot of people felt like he was a, you know, a stat pattern, you know, when it came to the real moments that they needed him, he didn't really show up, you know, and, you know, in, in, the, in that 2012 postseason where he played five games, um, he had 23 at-bats, only three hits. You know, they, you know, they killed him for that in yeah. 2014, 17 at-bats, only, you know, uh, only five hits. Well, that's actually not that bad. Um, 2016, uh, 17 at-bats, four hits. 2017, 19 at-bats, four hits. You know, then in 2022, his first postseason, his first postseason with the Phillies. 63 at-bats, 17 games played, 22 hits, mm-hmm. uh, seven doubles, six homers, 13 RBIs. The dudes start going crazy, and he, he's picking up where he left off. 2023, seven games played, 22 at-bats, uh, nine hits, um, nine runs batted in, uh, uh, four home runs thus far, seven RBIs, eight walks. The, the, the dude is just – he understands the moment. And, he un- and another guy that understands – the Philadelphia culture. Some people call him the, the you know, the, the pander of all panders, the Philadelphia. But listen, I, I hate, I got to tell listen, you, I hate that. I, 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 I'll be honest. I don't like that either. Mm-hmm. Some guys make it, some guys make it look obvious. Like, let's be honest. Early, but here's early, the thing, Tone. When you say, pa- I don't, not you, obviously. No, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. When people say panderer, there, there, there's something disingenuous about that. In other words, this right. guy's a phony. There's an implication that he's a phony. He's not a phony, man. He if, is not. If he showed you anything else, would, like would you would you be happy? Like, like that's what like, I mean, like the same people, honest. dude. The same people who call him a panderer would rip somebody like Ben Simmons for being a robot. You know what I mean? And exactly. not connecting enough with the city. Like exactly. I, that just it just it's it's a classic case of you know the guy the guy delivers for you and wants to connect to you and and people still crap on him and the and when it's the other way. Oh, he doesn't embrace oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, he, like, he, what do you or, want? Or he doesn't get it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You know, he's, he's not a uh, Philly guy. He, How many he, times he, have we heard that? Oh right? my God, he's not a Philly guy. You know, he's not a four four guy. You know, he's right. he, he, he's just here. To, he's just here to collect the check or whatever. And my thing is, look, I like when my athletes get it. You know what I mean? I like when my athletes understand what the city is all about. 
Jalen Hurts understands what the city is all about. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much the whole Philadelphia, Philadelphia Eagles roster. Uh, Jason Kelsey understands what the, what the city is about. Bryce Harper understands. Cassian, that's why I like Cassiano's. Like, he's a no-nonsense, all-about-business, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. cold-blooded assassin right now, playing, his, playing some of the best baseball I've seen him play. So, you know, like, like, like this, this is a special time for Philadelphia. And the Philadelphia Phillies fans, not saying all, but those who get on Harper about the pandering and whatnot, yep. they need to they need to love up on this guy and appreciate this moment while we have it because this can this can go down as being one of the more one of the most special times that we've experienced with the Philadelphia Phillies, man. Like I'm thinking about that 08 where that 0809 stretch where yeah. this Philadelphia Phillies team was just lights out. I mean, they were untouchable and they just shocked the world time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um th- this is a huge opportunity. You know, it's not many young people understand like you really understand what that was like in 08 you know yeah. i feel like we, we we felt that i was i think i was in seventh or eighth grade right when they won that world series i think i was in ninth it, it was just, hold on, i almost believed you for a second <laughs> oh listen i know you got a baby Slight, fixing all that slightly i was slightly out of ninth man yeah I, I know you got that baby fixing that boy's <laughs> charm i get it but you know but you almost got me with that i, know. I thought i'd but, sneak that past everybody Oh nope, my yeah, god! Right. But that was a time, was it not? You know, it was. Oh, just, it was awesome, dude. It, it, it was. It, it really was. was. It was special, and that's the thing, right? You're right about that too. The other thing that that I think we, I do too. We all fall into it, and, I, and I'm going to sort of contradict what I just said about the Eagles because I said it, nothing short of winning the Super Bowl is accepting is acceptable, but yeah. you do have to like take a minute and soak it in because it doesn't happen. These runs don't. We know this don't always happen. Think about like a Flyers and how painful the Sixers have become, right? I want them to be good so bad. I, I know. I, I want the Flyers to be good so bad. Yeah, you got. We they need to be relevant again. But so the point is just, man, like nights like the last night, enjoy it. Guys like Harper, enjoy them while you have them instead of looking for something like, oh, he's wearing Fanatics spikes again. I'm going to rip them. Like, no, man. Enjoy the guy. Enjoy what's happening here. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%, man. Like this is yeah. special right now. What's happening really with the Eagles too. As yeah, much as we get on them and we want we, we we do it because we want to see them win a Super Bowl. We don't want to see something that we're seeing now bite them in the rear end. Um yes, Tina. I, I was younger than ninth grade for the for the world 80 World Series. <laughs> I was a young cat, but you are correct. I did see the eight. I was there when they won it, in fact. Tug McGraw on the man. It's his son Tim last by the way. Philadelphia's becoming a little bit of a celebrity hangout. So last night, Jason and Travis Kelsey are there. Tim McGraw. Dawn Staley and Jay Wright hey, throwing at the first pitch, which was a beautiful touch awesome. by the organization. They hit every right note, man. The Phillies are, are Phillies um, game day operations people and marketing people are on fire right now because they're doing Absolutely. all the right things. It's very, very cool to see. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of last year, um, you know, in that Vikings game, Eagles versus Vikings last season, everybody was at the game. You know, Mike Chart was there. James Harden was there. Yeah. You know, Meek Mill was there. You know, it's just, you're right, Philadelphia – you know, it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia gets a bad rap nationally, but when you, but Philly is one of those cities where we like. If you're with us, we love you forever. Yeah. But but if you're against us, we hate you forever. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it, it's 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 very it's very bi it's very binary with us, right? It's either we love you or we hate you. You know what yeah. I mean? We'll we'll ride for you as long as you ride for us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And. That's what we're getting from this Philadelphia Phillies team right now. You know, you know they're riding high, they're delivering. And another concept, another another aspect of this thing that, that that doesn't really get talked about that much is the big money guys are making big plays. 
Oh, that, that's what you want to see. You want to see, yeah. you want to see your big money guys showing up when it matters most. You want to see the ROI, right? The returning your investment. Yeah. And Castellanos, Bryce Harper, you know, Trey Turner, he doesn't get talked about that much because he's not getting as many home runs, but he stays on base. You know what I'm saying? He stay he stays putting the ball in motion, getting RBIs. So, um it's it, it's re- it's really refreshing to see that the money is being put where their mouths are. You know what I mean? I look, I agree with you. I mean, if you th- just all you have to do is look at last night. So Wheeler, big money signing, and he's been way better than even the investment. Harper, Castellanos, uh, Turner, making plays all over the place. Um, you know, the the Kimbrell on the back end, not that he's a huge money player, but you brought him in for like $10 million. Right. You're right. I mean, all over the place, the, the, Schwarber had a home run. He's a big money player. All of the, the investment that the Phillies put into free agency um, has really paid dividends. And it's rare that almost all of them, you can check every one of the boxes, but almost every one of them has come through. And it, it's crazy. Like, think about Castellanos. Five home runs in eight postseason at-bats last night when he hit yeah. that home run. He That's ties Reggie Jackson, games. right? Only yeah. him and Reggie Jackson have done that before. Correct. They, That's and elite, elite company. It's crazy. And, and they have – and Reggie's a Cheltenham guy. He's, he's, a, he's a local guy. Uh, Phillies have 12 home runs over three games, over the last three games. And team batting average is 275. That's through the roof. They've only trailed for two innings of 45 innings in the postseason. Wow. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's spectacular what they're doing right now. The only team that's been more dominant in the postseason is the Rangers. And I get people probably aren't paying attention to what's happening in the American League, but they're up 2-0 on Houston already. And those games are in – you know it because you're in Texas. What? So, Tom, where you're at, is it more Houston fans or Dallas fans? Or what? what is it there? You know what? I'll, you know, I'll be totally honest with you, man. Texas is a football state. Yeah. You know, yeah. like – I'm, you know, the world, you know, the the, play, the baseball playoffs are going on right now. So obviously, you know, like there there, there definitely is a rivalry, a rivalry between, you know, it's, because t- uh, typically Dallas fans are like the Rangers fans. Right. And the, the Astros and Texans, you know, like you, you know, you know, that Houston connection. Yeah. Um, but I see more football out here, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, I haven't really seen too many people repping baseball right now. OK. Um, but again, I, you know, I'm in a. You know, I'm in a military area, so yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you know, you got people you, from all over the place. It's I, had a lot people, of- I, had people, I had people from all over the place, right? right? right. So you know, that's kind, of, you know, that, that's probably why I'm not seeing what you know what I what, what I thought I would see from a baseball perspective. But right. you know, jumping back on to, you know the investment part of this thing for the Philadelphia Phillies, um, yes, they're in the playoffs right now, and we're living in this moment. But I kind of want to foreshadow a little bit. Where you know we've seen this Phillies organization, we've seen ownership invest in, um, you know batting right you know um you know bats we, you know we've seen them invest in those kind of guys sure. where where do you believe the next great investment needs to go you know is it you know is it uh, the farm system you know mm-hmm. the bullpen like because i feel like the phillies i feel like i feel like they're you know they're pitching as a whole their farm system hasn't been as good as it possibly could be so where so in your eyes by your estimation you know you know you follow this team closely yeah yeah what where do you believe the next real investment needs to go they're actually they've done a good job they've really started to turn the farm system around and you're right it was dead for a long time it was terrible for a long time they've started to turn it around and they've done an excellent job they're, they're going in the right direction the thing you can never have enough of tone is pitching like look at it this way nola's up at the end of this year he could walk wheeler's got one more year he could walk we don't know what andrew painter's going to return as after having tommy john surgery we have no idea we hope he's going to be great but we don't know 
you know, and beyond that, it's a it's Ranger Suarez, it's you know Sanchez, Taiwan Walker. It's a lot of question marks. You got to keep replenishing pitching. If you have pitching, it's usually going to keep you in games. Um, I I would say that would be the number one, whether that's okay. bullpen or starters for me. Uh, but they have they have poured a lot of money smartly back into the farm system where they didn't do enough for a long time. They've also put a lot of money into their analytics department. Now you could argue that either way. Like I I'm all for having as much information at my fingertips as possible. You can't just fall in love with it and blindly follow it. You got to have eyeballs, you know, a combo of both. So I would say that would be the case, but yeah. All right. So a little later, uh, we are going to give our, uh, our picks on the second game. So we'll, we'll dig into that a lot to do here. A lot to do. Let's come back. Let's talk Eagles. Um, let's talk about areas concern concerning us on the offensive side because there's there's a good amount that are cropping up for a team that's five and one. So we'll get into that. We'll talk a little Dolphins as well. Some of the numbers tone that I dug into with the Dolphins are going to blow you away. But I will just caution you, but they're not invincible. And I'll tell you why that's the case also. Mm. So don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields in for D-Gun today. I'm Rob Ellis hanging out with you. I want to tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances is is just imperative number one, right? It's the biggest thing you got to figure out because you work way too hard to not set yourself up for later in life. You work way too hard to not have the best 401k that you could have or the best insurance policy that you could have. I can tell you from personal experience, I found Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group and I trust them implicitly, all right? Whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, you might have a small business and you're trying to get your employee benefits off the ground, that's another resource that Jim can help you with. Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, my 401k rollovers with Jim and I couldn't be any happier. You will be too. Give them a call, 610-996-4751, 610-996-4751. You could also email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot Jim at principal.com. That's Murray dot Jim at principal.com. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. 
The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. Appreciate you hanging out with us. We are Sports Take. If you could, let's smash that like button. That is the tone. I am the Rob. We are hanging out with you. All right, Tone, listen to this, man, for, for a for a sports evening down at the complex. All right. If you were if you were in the Philly area, you take all of this in. You ready for this? Flyers home opener at six o'clock at the Wells Fargo. 8 p.m. Mexico versus Germany at the link in soccer. Wow. 8.07. Phillies, Diamondbacks, game two of the NLCS. That's a party, man. Man. Oh, can you imagine? All I can is imagine, man. I'm not in Philly anymore, man. It's, yeah. It breaks my heart all the time. You know, I, I miss I miss my city so much being born and raised in Philadelphia. Like, Philly is Philly is in my DNA. Philly is Philly is embedded in my spirit, man. It's, you know, being, you know, being in Texas, like, I, I, I feel like a fish out of water some days. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you know, it's, you know, it's an, you know, it, it, it's a new experience. It's a new journey, but you know, there's nothing like experiencing sports in your hometown, you know, with your family, with your people ordering, ordering all the cheesesteaks and the crab fries. And you know what I mean? Being able to go to the games, being under the bright lights and just feeling that all that energy, you know, feeling, you know, feeling the thickness of the tension, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, like, like there's, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing like, there's no sports city like Philadelphia. It's, there's none. I'm willing, I'm willing to put it up against any city, man. I'm, I'm willing. Yeah, it's a unique. It is. It's very unique. Um, in terms of the, the, I think, I think what makes Philadelphia unique is a lot of things. The easiest thing is to say is passion, and I think that's real. But it's passion. It's knowledge. Like it, when you're at a game, I was at the game last week, last Wednesday. It was game three of the NLDS. Right. I remember that, man. Yeah, Nola pitch. It was. It was great. We had a great time. And I said, yeah, I sent you guys pictures and all that. But what you notice is. They pick up on every little nuance. Like, uh, I, this, look, I I wasn't doing this. I'm just telling you what was going on. Right, right, right. I got so you. So Marcelo Zuna uh, got a DUI. Okay. okay. It's public knowledge. They're chanting DUI. They're ch- they're, oh, my they're, God. They're chanting breathalyzer. Like, <laughs> and it's not just like derivative chants. It's like they're on everything, man. It's crazy how these Jeez. people are. Yeah, it's it could be a little rough. That's cold. That's that cold. is cold. But they're locked in on everything, and they're they're aware of everything that's going on. And it's not just reacting to like ball striker out. Like they're they're thinking like ten steps ahead, or they're they're not like they're going to give this guy Merrill Kelly tonight. I don't know if you saw this tone. So he was asked, I think yesterday or the day before, 
about wild crowds. And he pitched in the World Baseball Classic down in Miami, and he pitched uh, in, in, in Korea, I think, or something like that. Um, so anyway, he was talking about crowds, and he's like, yeah, I, I'm not real sure this crowd's going to get as loud as those. Like, I guarantee you. That's not something you say to us. Right. Fans <laughs> down there are have already digested that and are telling every one of their friends that this guy said that. And they're going to be just, a, you know, at, at a fever pitch down there for sure. Um, all right. Let's talk some birds here, Tom. Absolutely. So, look, let's start with positive here. The Lane Johnson thing, when it when it happened during the game, looked like it was, it was going to be worse than it is. And. The good news is it, it, it is a sprain. It's it's a lateral sprain of the ankle to the point where he may play on Sunday night against the, the Dolphins. We don't know yet. But either way, that's a win. It's not surgery. He's not done for the year. He didn't break anything. There's no serious ligament damage, all that kind of stuff. Great. Especially for a guy who's had ankle, you know, a history with ankle injuries, right? So that's that's good. All right. Put that aside, the performance we saw Sunday against New York was not good, and we had seen some troubling signs along the way, you know, and then came to a, you know, a head on, on Sunday. So, you know, again, I'm going to start with Hertz here, and I, and I think this is a Hertz offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni question, but seven interceptions through six games when he had only had six all of last year. Let's start there. Is that more on his just sort of forcing things some this year tone, which we didn't see last year? Uh, is it more on the plays that are being drawn up for him? Uh, who owns that more than anybody else uh, in terms of his regression in terms of the turnovers? At the end of the day, regardless of the play that's called, you have to protect the ball. I always put turnovers on the quarterback. Always. Um, yeah. Because, again, the play isn't designed for you to throw an interception. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. Right. Um, regardless of what's going now, sure. Does your arm get hit? That happened. Um, do you throw a perfect ball and then it, and then and then it gets knocked off your guy's hand and it's an interception, a tip drill ball? That happens. You know what I'm saying? So there are certain things that you can't control once that ball leaves your hand. Yeah, I totally understand that part of it. I wish there was a stat though for like interceptions directly caused by the quarterback versus interceptions that were like a tip ball that he threw a perfect ball. But but any, anyway, Bears came yeah. to you. Yeah, the reality is. He threw three interceptions and through six games, through six games, he has seven interceptions and one fumble loss. He's turned the ball over eight times through six games. He didn't turn the ball over once until that Bears matchup last year. But you asked why, why are the turnovers, why are the turnovers happening at such a higher clip now? The reality is he's throwing the ball more. He's throwing the yeah. ball more than he, you know, than he ever has through his first six games of his career. You know, let's let's compare last year and this year through the first six games. Mm-hmm. This year, through the first, well, I'm sorry, last year through the first six games, he only had 184 attempts. All right, 184 through six games last year. Okay, six games. This season, he has 213 attempts. So, what is that? That's a 16 plus 13. That's a 29. Yeah. It's six. Yeah. It's uh, it's 16 and 19. Yeah. We said, yeah, I think it's, that's a, that's a, that's a good amount more. That's a whole that's game. Five more. Yeah. That's, that's a whole game for some quarterbacks. 29 attempts. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally, so, yeah. so he's already throwing the ball at a higher clip and here's my thing, right? In this Jets matchup, he threw that ball 45 times. Did you know in 2022, the closest he came to that was 39 attempts. And that was in the Tennessee game. And they were rolling them, hmm. rolling them. 
So, and he went 74% in that game. But my point is though, Jalen Hurts didn't throw the ball more than 40, didn't throw the ball more than 30 times, 39 times last season. He's already thrown the ball 45, 45 times in the game this year. That's not his game, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And honestly, the number should have been higher because he scrambled on a bunch of them. Wow. So you can make an argument. He, you can make an argument. There were 50 passing plays called in that game. And only 45 of them, you know, actually amounted to passes. Yeah. But yeah, he, for that, maybe what we're talking about. So scrambles, you know, they, right, they, they right. were actually scrambles called pass or, plays or, or sack. You know what I mean? Exactly so something else. Yeah, exactly. Right. So my thing is, I love Jalen Hurts. I'm a Jalen Hurts guy through yeah. and through. You know what I mean? I, I've been rooting for him from the beginning. Even when we drafted him, even though I had questions when we drafted him, I said, you know what? He's our guy now. Let's roll yeah. with him. So I have questions in terms of why this coaching staff believes they need to throw the ball more with him, right? And that's not saying he can't throw the ball because he's overall been accurate throughout the season. Through the season right now, he's completing 66% of his passes. That I believe that's just above league average. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good. Yeah. But his game is not throwing the ball 45-plus times a game. That's not who he is. No. Jalen Hurts is the kind of quarterback, the way he plays the game, the dual, the dual thrust out of his game, he – I'm comfortable with him throwing the ball between 28 and 34, 35 times a That's game. A good number. Yep. And, and he's rushing 10 to 12, maybe 13 times a game. When you strip him of that and you try to turn him into this pure seven-step drop-back quarterback, you're eliminating an asset of his game that makes him what he is. I feel like they're trying to, I feel like they're trying to turn him into this pure pocket quarterback, and that's just not his game sure he's accurate from the pocket you know i'm not again this isn't this isn't me taking anything away from jalen i'm trying to lean into what jalen does great i'm trying to i'm trying to lean into why he got paid yeah you paid him because of what he did last year and the way he played the game last year i feel like they're trying to change that and that jets game specifically there was no reason to overthink that matchup i felt i felt like they went into that game and they took the cheese they saw that the Jets were missing four starting corners, and they say, "You know what? We're going to air it out on this team." Yep. And I'm like, "No, that you don't. You don't have to do that." They went too far with it. I, I, and I'm, I'm seeing, and you know, Mr. Taz and Chuck have mentioned the RPOs. I happen to agree with those guys. I, I don't. I agree. Uh, you know, we're not seeing enough of that, and I understand you want to be able to protect Jalen, and and Jalen may see you know, something in the defense with an RPO where he's going to keep it and there's potentially take a hit. But isn't there a potential you take a hit when you're dropping the guy back 50-some-odd times too? It's okay. like, do what you do best, man. Stop right. getting away from it. And and look, we all hope he stays healthy. But if he gets hurt doing something that he does best, that so be it. That's just the bad luck of the draw. Look, the reality is – he's a do- sorry to cut you off, Rob. Yeah, I got no, to right. say this right. And I want to be fully full transparent. During the offseason, and you know, I, I keep reiterating this because I want to make sure people understand, you know, where I've you know where I've moved from and, and moved to. During the offseason, after that Super Bowl year and all that kind of stuff, during the offseason, I said, I, I said on many platforms, I would love to see Jalen Hurts run the run a little less and throw a little more. Yeah. I, I was one of those guys. I'll admit that because I was I was focused on his health strictly. I was yeah. focused on health and longevity. And I was and I was thinking about it from the perspective of as he as he grows in his game, his passing is going to improve, right? But I've moved to this notion now. I want Jalen Hurts to do whatever he deems fit to win the game. If that's him running the ball 15, 18 times, so be it. If that's him throwing the ball 25, 30 times, whatever Jalen Hurts needs to do to make sure he is successful and his team looks efficient, I'm with that. 
Yeah. But like, but it, it, it doesn't look efficient to me. Everything looks laborious. Everything looks like it's a struggle. Everything yes. seems like they're working harder than they have to. One other thing, and again, this is just my eyes. It's not it's just looking. Does it not? Does it look like he's running to protect himself a little bit more? Not, I'm not going to use the words running scared, but I feel like he's running a lot more cautious than just sort of letting it rip at right. last year. Does it does it feel like, like he's tiptoeing a little bit to me? You sense that? The one just game. Me? No, I, I I know what you're talking about. That's a you know, that's a real observation. The one game where he didn't do that and the offense looked its best was the Rams game. Yeah. He, he, I felt like I felt like that was the most loose he looked in a matchup. Mm-hmm. And then I don't. Again, I think this coaching staff is holding him back, man. I I really believe. You know, l- let me throw a stat to you, right? I was yeah. going, I was, I was going to save it for Matt Lombardo later on. I'll yeah. still, I'll still, I'll still bring it up to him. Yeah, bring wanna, it up to him too. But, yeah, but, but, but I want to bring it up to you, right? Yeah. And tell me what you think about this. Yeah. Since 2022, the Eagles are 18 and one. When they give their running backs more than 15 carries. Wow. And they're one in three when they do not. Right. Right. Now that begs the question, right? There's so many more variables that I'm sure go into that. But I'm I'm, I'm curious to know what's your thoughts on it because I look, I, I saw that Jets game, right? And when you look at the rushing attempts, let's be frank about this. Jalen Hurts amounted for most of them, right? Yeah. Oh, it was a joke. The lack of running backs for the for the running, yeah. the lack of carries for the running backs is a joke. DeAndre Swift had 10 carries. Kenny Gamble had two. Boston Scott had two. Jalen Hurts had eight. That's 22 attempts total. But you take away Jalen Hurts' eight attempts. That's only 14 yeah. running back attempts. You take away Jalen Hurts' yards. The team had 80 rushing yards as a whole. Jalen Hurts had 47 of them. You take away Jalen Hurts' 47. What's that? 33 rushing yards between three guys? Not, that's, unac- not that's unacceptable. At that point, you're literally getting away from the yep. way this team is built. The Philadelphia Eagles are a power team, right? They're a physical team. They yep. have the best offensive line in the NFL. They have one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. They want to pass to set up the run. I believe they need to do the opposite. They need to run to set up the pass. Get that offensive line going forward and pull yep. your will on the opponent. Get those running backs going. Get them comfortable. You know, And then eventually the passing is going to open up because they ain't got no choice but to play the box now. Right. I just I feel like they're running. I feel like they're running their head up against the same wall, and they're trying so hard to create this high-powered passing offense. And I brought this up to you earlier. Mm-hmm. There's a certain level of arrogance with the way they're play calling, and it reared its head in that Jets game. There's yeah. no reason why you throw the ball three times in a row, and the opposing team has no timeouts, and it's less than two minutes left in the game. It made no sense to me. You run that ball, and you force. If you if you got a punt, you force Zach Wilson to drive that whole field. He didn't right. prove it not one time. No. The defense the defense had him on lock. Yeah. So my thing is, there's an arrogance with them in this passing game. They want to do what they want to do instead of yeah. doing what's best for the team. Yeah, and I it's, think it, it's clear to me. I think there is something to that philosophically. It's like, yeah, they beat the Vikings in Tampa by running all over, but ideally, that's not the way they want to do it. It's like, who cares how it looks? Just to, what's the most successful? Right. Back to your stat. I mean, some of that is teams are going to run the ball more when they're winning, right? To milk clock, so I, there is a little bit of that element to it. But I, mm-hmm. but I think you're, I think you're on to something here. When they lose, it to me, it's like all you want is balance. You don't want the imbalance that we saw on Sunday. That's the thing. Just, just get it a little bit, as opposed to being here 
spring it a little bit more there. Okay. So we get it. It's a passing league. They're going to throw more generally than they run understood. But I don't feel like right now they're running the best offense that, that is that plays to the strengths of the quarterback. And to me, everything that you do around your team has to be based on the strengths of your quarterback on the offensive side and whatever you feel like you are on defense. If you're a great pass rushing team, it all plays off of that. Anyway, I I think that they have gotten into some bad habits here. I really do. I think they've fallen into this, like in love with the passing game kind of thing. And I know, like I heard Nick Sirianni this morning on WIP. and, And one of the things he said in defending this was, okay, there are times we go to the line of scrimmage with two or three plays called. Jalen looks at the situation and may audible out of a run to a pass. If that's the case, okay. We we, we initially had a, a run in there, but that's what the quarterback decided to go with. And we'll never know that. We'll so. never know that. And the other thing he said was, uh, you know, we consider swing passes to the running back runs. Right. But And, and I'm, I'm listening to that. I'm saying, okay, I'll buy a little bit of that, but – Explain to me the end of the game. Explain to me the way that, that you know, like terrible, the, the interception and then the fourth down throw. I, I, it's just too much, man. You became too predictable. And you're doing that. Look, here's my guess. My guess is Jack Driscoll would have had a hell of a lot more success w- with the Eagles running the ball more than throwing it. He was like a turnstile in terms of trying to pass block. Great point. The entire right, right side of your offensive line was backups. Sua Opeta. And Jay Driscoll were filling in for Cam Jurgens yes. and uh, Lane Johnson. Ask when you any, when you see that, you have to help those guys. Yeah. Ask you, you any. Can't. Yeah. No, but I'm saying just ask sorry, any offensive I'm lineman. Sorry. I, I no, that's okay. With it. I know you're you're passionate, man. I love it. But ask any offensive lineman; they'd rather run block than pass block because you're taking it to them. You're not on your heels. You're not backing up. You're not trying to stop some unbelievable athlete who's 280 pounds and, and can run you you're 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 plowing forward with with just sure power so that's why it also didn't make sense Jalen's running for his life because you know like again we're spoiled with Lane a little bit Lane Johnson hasn't given up a sack since 2020 mm-hmm. but you're seeing that Driscoll's having a hard time help him run away from him or run to his side and see what he can do in that uh yeah, situation. you know, run, you know, run some more power sets, right? You know, you know, uh, put Jack Stoll on the field. You know, you know, you put another tight end next. You know what I mean? Do yeah. do something to help him. They left him on an island way too much, and you know, it's 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 gen- it's genuinely disappointing because you know, look, they're five and one, right? You know, you know, let's really look at the macro here. Yeah, they're five and one. They could be in a they they could be in a lot. They could be in a worse no position, doubt, right? No doubt. They could be in a yeah. worse position. They're tied amongst five teams. You know, for the best record in football right now. You know what I mean? And then yeah. as far as as far as the NFC goes, it's only two teams, three teams with the five and one record. Uh Eagles, Niners, and Lions, right? Cowboys have a four and two record right now. I look at it like this. All right, you're five and one. That's the big picture. Things could be a lot worse for you. You have a lot much, you have a lot more room to grow. Hmm. But the reality is you're at that point in the schedule now where your room for error has just been eliminated. Yeah. Now because the Cowboys won last night, they beat the Chargers. I'm sure we're going to talk about that later on. Yeah, they beat the Chargers last night. They closed the distance now. Instead of instead of having them by two games like you had them before, now there's only a one game difference between you guys now. So now they're on your heels. At the end of the day, no matter what you feel about the Cowboys, you got to respect them because they're there and they're always going to be there. Yeah. But that five and one record, big picture, 
But my concern is more so with the offensive coaching staff. I'm genuinely concerned that they are going to cut their nose despite their face. They have this weird idea that they have to keep up with the Joneses. And I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know if it's Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie inspired and it's happening on, and, it's, and it's materializing on the football field. But my thing is, you pay Jalen Hurts to win football games and play his brand of football. Yeah. Right. If you wanted a seven step quarterback that dropped back 50 plus times and do his thing, you should have never paid that man. Yep. That his game is that's not his game. I agree. He 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 lit, he thrives in that 28 to 35 attempt area. That's a sweet spot for Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. And then you run the ball 30 times a game. Balance. You keep the opposing defense off balance, and also you make them respect you. People, everyone in everyone nationally knows the Philadelphia Eagles, when they're running the ball, they're unbeatable. Yeah, They know they that. Play to the strengths of your best player. And help your defense out. Keep them off the field. Keep those guys fresh. When you keep passing the ball like this, three and out, three and outs, three and outs, and you know your defense is still shoddy, you know they're still trying to figure some things out, help them help you. Yeah. So, like, like, there's a fundamental issue. There's a fundamental flaw with this office of coaching staff that needs to be addressed, but I'm not sure that it'll be addressed, especially with this Miami team coming in. I'm nervous. Here's what's interesting too. Um, you know, obviously they're 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 trying to piecemeal this thing together with with a lot of injuries on the defensive side, and and I I think they did a good job this really good job this week. Um, all things considered, you get the trade deadline is Halloween, right? It's two weeks from today. It's October 31st. I I've been telling you know you've been hearing me say it. I've been saying it to Gunner every day. I think that they're going to make a move. I do. I think they're making a move. Where so? Where do you think they're going to make I think I think they're going to look at nickel corner or safety. I think they're going to make a move. Um, I don't know, Bobby, that they're quite comfortable with with Tyler Steen at right tackle. He played. I think he prefers left tackle, and I think they think he's a guard in the NFL. I'm not saying it, it may not happen. If Driscoll struggles, all bets are off, and you try and figure anything out. My guess is they would go if Lane can't play this week. They would try Driscoll again. If he's a disaster, then changes would happen if Lane's still not ready to go. It would be my guess. Just in, I'm reading between the lines when I'm hearing Nick Sirianni speak. I think they feel like if they gave Driscoll a week where they gave him a lot of reps, he knew what he was doing, what he was getting himself into. Uh, I think they feel like he'd be better. And keep in mind, too, um, you know, it is Jeff Stoutland coaching him up. So I think if anybody can get him going. Uh, yeah, it, Bobby's right. Andy used to tell us that same thing, and Andy used to to lose his 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 balance a lot with when it came to the run pass. Then he would find it, kind of find religion, and get back to it. And then the Eagles would get on a run. It felt like it happened every every few weeks there with him. It really did. But yeah, you know, Nathan brought up something interesting. He says the he says the product is near the product is near perfect. The house always wins, but that's not good enough. Billionaires, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where he's, what he's saying, but if I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to assume what he's, what he's saying. Sure I think, he's, I think in so many words, he's trying to say that, um, this team, like we're, like we always want more from this team, right? You know, they're, you know, they're five and one. You know, they, yeah. you know, they're, you know, they're one of the best teams, one of the best teams in terms of, in terms of offensive yardage, so on and so forth. And yet we're, we're, uh, we're not satisfied. Right. Uh, you know, again, Nathan, I want to make sure I understand what you're saying, but I look at it like this, right? We talked about it in the first segment. The bar has been set. The bar has been set. And in reality, when you don't meet that bar in Philadelphia, we on your ass. Yep. Especially when we know it's not a product of the other team being better. We know it's because there's something you're not doing. We, we or, or we see that you're being hard-headed or you're being negligent. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Well, yeah, I here's what I think happens. I think some people okay, like Nathan, I, 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 I get the tone of what Nathan I'm saying. It, yeah, I'm saying that was so bad. It must be fixed. I got you. <laughs> but I, I think and I'm not this isn't directed at Nathan, but I, I think sometimes people will say, my God, man, they're five and one. They're, they're ranked as the second offense in football behind the Dolphins. And granted, it's a big difference. Yeah. Nobody's denying that. And and yeah, I mean, if you if he said to me before the season started, they'd be five and one at this point. I'd say I'll take okay. it. I'll yeah. sign up. But what we're looking at is we're trying to look at this through the prism of winning a Super Bowl and what it's going to take. And this isn't going to cut it right now. doesn't mean they can't straighten it out and fix it. But it just means, you know, they, they aren't going to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Tampa was 7-5 on the bye week in 2020. They also had Tom Brady. I got you. Yeah. They, I think they are going to be able to fix these things. I think they're correctable. That's the good thing. The, the worry a little bit on the other side of the ball is, you are short bodies, and you may not be able to fix all of that. You may have to just hope that you have enough guys to get their act together um, and, and, and step up, and you just outscore teams. So uh, that's the – my concern actually is, as weird as it sounds, for all the offense that we're talking about is more the defense, as crazy as that sounds, because I just don't know that they have the bodies on that side of the ball. Um, that right. is a little bit concerning. That's why I get back to it. I think they will make a trade. I don't. But to your point, though, about that, yeah, that's why I've been so encouraged by Brian Johnson. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sorry, I'm Sean Desai. Sean yeah. Desai. That's why yeah. I've been so encouraged by Sean Desai because he's finding a way to adjust, tweak, pivot despite the injuries. Yeah, even with all those injuries, he still he still held that Jets team to all field goals. That last touchdown, I don't even put that on him. I put that on the offense for turning the ball over. Sure. Um. And they were told to let them score that touchdown. So I can't really put that on them. But they gave up 12 points in, 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 in actuality. 12 points, all field goals. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and granted, it's the Jets offense. And I know Zach Wilson's not the guy. But, you know, you shut out Matthew Stafford, you know, in the second half of that Rams game. You hold the Jets to only 12 points, really. That's really on you. And you sustain all those injuries. He's finding ways to He's scheming these guys in position. He's he's doing the best he can with what he's given, right? You know, the problem last year with the defensive coordinator, we didn't see enough adjustment. You know what I mean? They went in with their game plan, and that's what it was. We're seeing Sean Desai maneuver. We're seeing him bob and weave, stick and move. You know, here I go again with the boxing references. No, but, I hear you. you know, you're, we're seeing him counterpunch. We're seeing him respond. The offense is like, they're just, they're just too, they're too – it's 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 not it's not there's no glue there there's there's no cohesiveness there they have a lot to work on and Kawan brought up a good point seven and five you know with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2020 people need to relax I get it I understand where you're coming from Kawan trust me I understand where you're coming from there's a there's a large there's a war here not just a battle I understand where you're coming from but I look at it like this this season can get out of hand quickly you want to know why yeah. Because of the matchups that are coming up. And these teams that, were, that are coming up know how to put points on the board. The Philadelphia Eagles have not been able to put touchdowns up. You can't beat the Dolphins with field goals. You can't beat the 49ers with field goals. You can't beat the Chiefs with football. Well, maybe now you can beat the Chiefs with field goals. They look a little weird. But nonetheless, you can't beat those type of teams with field goals. You have to capitalize on opportunity. And Eagles fans, I challenge you right now. Yes or no? Have the Philadelphia Eagles, has their offense taking advantage of the opportunities that has been created for them. 
Have they fully taken advantage of the opportunities in the red zone? Have they taken advantage of opportunities that the defense has provided? Has the team been, has the offense been opportunistic? Have they been efficient? I challenge you, yes or no. Have they been opportunistic and efficient? Answer that for me, please. Yeah, not enough. That's for sure. Um, all right, let's get a timeout. We come back. And we're going to be joined by the man himself, Matt Lombardo. Matt is the senior national NFL insider. Yes, sir. And Buzz. We'll talk birds. We'll talk NFC East. We'll talk NFC. We'll jump around with Matt. Looking forward to uh, to hanging with Matt. We'll do that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. I want to tell you about Pro Action Restoration. Yes, if you have a home, you have a business, uh, you have a property you own, you go through the inconvenience and pain of water damage, fire, smoke, mold damage to your property, you know how challenging that can be. ProAction Restoration is on call 24 hours, seven days a week to assist. So if it happens at night, happens on a weekend, happens on a holiday, they will be there to help you out as they were for me when this happened to me years ago on a Saturday. They got out to my parents' house. They fixed the problem. The crew was unbelievable. The price was right. It was a great experience. ProAction Restoration is licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades, ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company. So again, water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation, you name it, they can handle it. Give them a call, 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760, or online at ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
Corin save in southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Welcome back to the show, Sports Take. He is Tony Shields in for Derek Gunn today. I am Rob Ellis hanging out with you. Let's hit that like button if we could. Friends, we appreciate that. All right, joining us right now, as I mentioned, he is the senior national NFL insider at Fan Buzz. And you can also follow him on Twitter or X at Matt Lombardo NFL. Lobo, what's going on, my man? Robbie, Tone, how's it going, guys? Good to see you, brother. Hey, uh, always good. Lombardo, how you feeling, sir? Program. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. Always enjoy coming on. Thanks for having me. And certainly a bizarre week for the Philadelphia Eagles coming off that loss to the New York Jets. And, you know, you look at what happened across the league on Sunday. You see the Detroit Lions now beginning to emerge. You see question marks emerging a little bit with the San Francisco 49ers, not just off the loss, but losing Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey for who knows how long. And for the Eagles, this eight-game stretch, you're going to find out just how legitimately to take them when you look up at the beginning of December after uh, the stretch of games they have coming up here. Matt, that's a great point. I, if you think about it, I, I mentioned this to Gunner yesterday. Like, for, I think for too long when we were looking at the NFC, it was just strictly Eagles, Niners, maybe even the Cowboys earlier in the year. And, and Detroit was, was an afterthought. I mean, how would you rank them right now? Would you go – would San Fran still be one uh, for you? Like, What would your pecking order of the top three in the NFC be? 1A, 1B, and 1C. I think it's those three teams and everybody else. I mean, you look at last night, I think the Dallas Cowboys offense is severely limited right now. Um, Dak Prescott's still prone to making some boneheaded mistakes in terms of interceptions, holding onto the ball too long. I don't think they get Brandon Cooks involved consistently often enough to really be in that mix uh, of being one of the more complete teams in the league. And I think the Eagles haven't been quite right on offense all year long. And, you know, they, they've done everything they need to do, right? They've stacked wins. They've positioned themselves really nicely to be one of the top two seeds in the NFC. But that schedule is a daunting stretch. You start with Miami on Sunday night. You have matchups coming up against Kansas City, San Francisco, two against the Cowboys, the Buffalo Bills. And then you look at what the Lions are doing. And I had them winning the NFC North. I had them probably as the three seed going into the season because I've been pretty bullish on them all along. But you look at what they did on Sunday afternoon. They're not just beating you now running the ball. They're not just beating you with consistent play from Jared Goff and Sam Laporta underneath. They can stretch the field now with Jamison Williams. That 45-yard touchdown was one of the more impressive plays we've seen all season. So I think the Lions are really coming on pretty strong here so I I think the San Francisco 49ers are still the most complete roster comes down to can they stay healthy and I think the Eagles they need to figure out an offensive identity and they need to get through this stretch 
with what two losses out of this stretch to be considered the favorites to win home field based on what those other teams are tough able to do and, yeah, yeah. and and might be doing moving forward from here. Yeah, you know, Matt, uh, once again, thanks for coming on to the show uh, with us, man. We really appreciate it. You know, you, you started off right, man. The fact of the matter is no one saw that loss coming uh, from the Philadelphia Eagles to the New York Jets. You know, we thought the loss would maybe come from the Dolphins at some point, but you lose to the Jets and then you have the Dolphins right after that. And the way this Philadelphia Eagles offense has been looking, they've looked, uh, at least to me, uh, rather disjointed. Um, they lack cohesion. Um, there's a there there's a lack of continuity with the way things are going. Um, you're a national guy. You know, you cover all the teams. But just based off your observations from the Philadelphia Eagles over the past six weeks, what do you think the issue is with this team? And can it be fixed in time? You know, like you said, this this stresses. We're going to find out who this team is over this next six, seven weeks. So um, what do you think the root of the issue is? And can they, you know, can they find a way to get out of it? Yeah, I just don't think there's a real continuity of play calling right now. I mean, you look at what happened late in the game. I'm not sure why you even asked Jalen Hurts to make that throw in that spot that was intercepted. Uh, I'm not sure why some weeks you look up and they're just pounding the running game and other weeks it's, you know, the A.J. Brown show. And that's kind of all that they're able to do late, especially against the Washington Commanders. But if you're the Eagles going into Sunday night, my biggest worry isn't Jalen Hurts in the offense, because I think they're going to be fine by and large. I think especially if they commit to running the ball, depending on Lane Johnson's injury. But there's so much speed on the that Miami Dolphins offense. I don't think there are more than two or three defenses in the league that can really contain them. Um, you saw the Bills do it when they were at full strength. I think that San Francisco is another team that has the weapons at all three levels to contain what the Dolphins do best. But the Eagles have one healthy safety right now. It's Terrell Edmonds and practice squad guys rotating through. Not ideal when you're staring across the field at Tyreek Hill, who might be the MVP of the league. Jalen Waddle, who's going to stretch you deep um, every single week. And you have Raheem Homostert, who has three multi-touchdown games and can burn you out of the backfield and as a pass catcher. So if you're an Eagles fan going into Sunday night, I think the big concern is how's the defense going to match up against all that speed and all those weapons the Dolphins are going to bring to the table? So you're saying there's no chance. (laughs) (laughs) They're favored. Believe it or not, they're favored. Uh, you know, but uh, somehow, some way. Yeah, you know, I think the home field plays a lot into that. It I think yeah, it's that only Jalen one and a half. Yeah. I think right. Jalen Hurts is still, when you look at the two quarterbacks, I think he's still not only the more accomplished quarterback, the more polished passer than Tua Tagovailoa. Um, but I just think that it's, it's a matchup that doesn't bode well the Dolphins' weapons against the Eagles' secondary right now, and that would be my biggest concern. I agree with you, Matt, on the defensive side. And I think it's going to be a struggle all year. Uh, I thought it was going to be a bit of a struggle on the back end, even if they were healthy and they haven't been healthy. But I I want to go back to what we were talking about with the play calling. You know, Brian Johnson wouldn't – I get it. Some of this is in-game. Maybe he's just losing himself. But he's not going to go rogue. This is clearly what Sirianni wants or people above Nick want, um, you know, whatever the case may be. I just don't feel like they're putting the quarterback in the best position to succeed this way. You You don't see as many RPOs. Uh, you know, like you said, the running game, which can be very effective. We saw them shred Minnesota and Tampa. They get away from it. I, I don't quite understand this. It has sort of an, uh, if you remember, you were covering the team probably, an Andy Reid feel to it a little bit where he would lose his mind with the with the passing game. Then he'd get back and then everything would kind of balance itself out. I feel like we're in that mode right now a little. 
it almost feels like they lack an identity off, yeah. on offense, right? It doesn't feel like they really know what they want to be. And I think they have a lot of weapons. Obviously, in the passing game, you look at A.J. Brown, you look at Devonta Smith, you look at Dallas Goddard. Those are a lot of mouths to feed, right? And there's a lot of big play potential there. I think at their core, the Eagles would love to be similar to Miami, a quick strike, big play type of offense, but who can also gash you with the running game. But, you know, as you said, you're, they're not involving Jalen Hurts as much as they had in the running game in the past outside of the uh, the brotherly shove or whatever term you want to use for the tush push. Um, but I, I think that it's one of these deals where it's almost matchup dependent what they're trying to do when I think that especially over the next month and a half, they need to figure out what Jalen Hurts is best at, what he's most comfortable with, and lean into that for sure. You know, you bring up an interesting point about the identity. You said it a couple times throughout the show. And I, I see a team, like you said, they don't really know what they want to be. But I also see a team that doesn't want to accept what they are. And in my opinion, I feel like the Philadelphia Eagles are a team that they're, they're so much more potent offensively when they're able to get their running game going. And when they try to get away from that, and when you got when you have Jalen Hurts throwing the ball 45-plus times a game, Probably could have been 50 times if you count the sacks and if you count the um, you know, the scrambles. That's that doesn't bode well for the type of quarterback he is. I've always said Jalen Hurts is that quarterback, his sweet spot as far as attempts go, between 28 and 35. That's a sweet spot for him, in my humble opinion. But I'm curious to know your opinion, right? And let me throw this at you before you go. Since 2022, the Eagles are 18 and 1 when they've given their running backs more than 15 carries, and they're one and three where they do not. You know, do you believe again, do you believe they're denying what they are and they're falling too much in love with this? air it out type of offense, throwing the ball 45 plus times a game? Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play here, right? I think that Sunday might be a little bit of an aberration, at least up until Sunday, because Lane Johnson got hurt. And I think that Lane Johnson changes everything. I mean, you can't lose arguably the premier offensive tackle and certainly the premier right tackle in the game who hasn't allowed a sack in, what, close to three seasons now? 2020, Matt. Right, and who's an absolute road grader in the running game. You can't lose a player of that caliber and not lose something offensively. But I also think that whether it's Nick Sirianni, whether it's Brian Johnson, whether it is Ben Johnson, rather, whether it is Jalen Hurts, whatever the case may be, I, I agree. I think they fall into the trap of trying to be a vertical offense with A.J. Brown, and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, when the numbers bear out, when they run the ball effectively, you're going to create those big play opportunities. And I think that the identity for this team and what they should try to replicate is what you saw in Tampa Bay. People criticize that performance. I thought that was one of the more balanced offensive showings that they've had all year. It just so happens, as we've seen, Tampa's pretty good. And, you know, they they took care of business through the air. They involved DeAndre Swift from, you know, opening kickoff to final whistle. I think that that is how the Eagles are going to be most effective is replicating what they were able to do well in that game. Matt, in your estimation, how much does does Jalen Hurts wear of this? Uh, You know, and, and again, not that the numbers are awful, but the interceptions are up. He's already got more than he had last year. Some of the other areas he's kind of dipped a little bit. Some of the decision-making you wonder about. How much of that, in your estimation, is him versus what's being called for him from his coaching staff? I think there might be a little bit of a learning curve here, and, and not necessarily for Jalen Hurts in, what, his fourth year, third year as a starter. But, you know, you have a new offensive coordinator, and even though he was on staff a year ago, first time really calling plays, 
I think there's a learning curve in terms of the operation of getting the play calls in there in terms of instincts within the game. And, you know, the, the first month of the season should have served to flush out some of those issues because you need to be firing on all cylinders going into the next month, month and a half that are really going to define your season. I, I think a lot of it is, you know, they need to figure out whether it's sitting down in a meeting or what and saying, okay, Jalen, tell us the 20 plays, the 15 route concepts, and the running plays that you're most comfortable about. We're going to set that as the foundation, almost like when you have a rookie quarterback or a backup quarterback going in. I think that they need to almost start from the ground up with Jalen and just refine what works well and what he likes to do best. Because you saw it last year. When he's on, when he's making plays out of the pocket, when he's throwing on the run, when he's you know running the football down in the red zone, that's when that offense is at its best. And they've kind of gotten away from a lot of that. You know, you bring up the red zone, right? This team, they've shown an ability to move the ball. Like you said, I think they're a top five offense in terms of offensive yardage, right? Yeah. They've shown an ability to move the ball between the 20s. But when they get in that red zone for some reason, it's something changes. Like efficiency just goes through. Efficiency just, you know, falls off a cliff. Um, it seems like play calling gets way more jagged. There's no continuity. There's no play setting up the next play. It just seems that like they're kind of just throwing plays at a wall. You know, what's been your observations uh, in terms of Philadelphia Eagles red zone efficiencies or like they're up? Yeah, Tom, full disclosure here, I haven't studied their red zone efficiency close mm -hmm. enough. And, I, you know, I'm watching four games at once every single Sunday. Understood. So Understood. I haven't been able to dial in right. uh, too specifically there. But just anecdotally, it, it just seems like you think back to a year ago, and I think Jalen Hurts had something like eight rushing touchdowns in the red zone. And it just seems like they've taken the ball out of his hands in those situations, they're not relying him on, you know, the, the rollouts and those sort of things. Get back to doing those sort of things down in the red zone, you know. And um, I, I just think that they just, for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to find any sort of consistency in terms of what they want to be. And that's always going to be exasperated when you're inside the 20 and the field shortens and the defense doesn't, doesn't really have anywhere to go. Where are they going to go? Sit in the second row? And, you know, <laughs> it, 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 things get a lot tougher down there. And that you're right. That was one of the hallmarks a year ago. And it's one of the things that just isn't clicking on all cylinders for them right now. Matt, I'm going to stay in the, in the NFC East. We, we watched Dallas last night win what I thought was a pretty – unimpressive game frankly it was a road game and never easy went on the road I get it, blah 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 but they all the things I thought like giving Mike McCarthy more power you know Dak in big spots like it's all kind of rearing its ugly head they have talent and I don't doubt that they're a playoff team but are they a real contender in your estimation here to come out of the NFC I mean, I think it comes to come out of the NFC. No, I, I think that, you know, you look what happened in San Francisco. That was a wake up call for them as an entire organization of not only how far away they are from a personnel standpoint, from a team like the 49ers, but from a, a toughness standpoint they, they lack both mm. of those things. They're leaps and bounds behind San Francisco. Um, you know, as far as the NFC East, it's going to come down to the schedule, right? It's going to come down to what the, I hate to keep hammering this point, but the Eagles face the sixth, I believe, is sixth toughest schedule the rest of the way. And I think they control their own destiny because I don't think that Dallas is the better football team than the Eagles are. I think the Eagles still are, are more balanced. They're deeper. I think they have the better quarterback, the more efficient running game, and all of those things. But you catch the Eagles off of a, a, a key injury the week before or in the midst of a two-game losing streak or something. You know, the, the ball bounces the wrong way, and the Cowboys could tuck away an NFC East 
win for tiebreaker purposes later on. I think that when you look at the conference and you look at the division, the Cowboys are probably very distinctly that fourth team behind the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Lions. You know, we, we, we talk about the NFC East, and, you know, we've clearly, you know, evaluated it as a two-team race at this point, right? Uh, Eagles and Cowboys. Um, Eagles had a chance to keep the distance between the Cowboys, but that Jets loss turned a two-game lead and now to a one-game lead. But then you think beyond those two teams, Commanders and, and, and Giants, those teams just can't seem to figure it out. Commanders, they're very up and down, but the Giants, man, they, they, they're just bottoming out. You know, I'm curious to know, you know, what's been your overall evaluation of the NFC East as a division and maybe some of those bottom tier teams that we thought maybe would be a little bit better, but maybe they're not so much. Yeah, Tony, I think the New York Giants are arguably the most disappointing situation in the entire league. I mean, you can point to the Bears, mm. but there was there were question marks about whether Justin Fields was going to take that next step as a passer going in, even with all the talent they had around him. And admittedly, I was pretty bullish on, on Fields going into the year. But you look at the Giants off a playoff appearance a year ago. They bring in Darren Waller. I thought they had a really nice draft. I love the Jalen Hyatt pick as a deep threat that they could pair with, you know, Paris Campbell, give a little bit of, uh, of weaponry to Daniel Jones and you're one in five you've played really one half of decent football all year against the Arizona Cardinals of all teams and you're lucky to come back and win that game I think the Giants you can make a case they're the most disappointing team in football and the commanders I spoke to a couple sources around the league last week there was a real feel that if they had lost to the Falcons that Joshua Harris Magic Johnson and the owners that was going to be the thumb on the scale moment that going into the trade deadline Let's hold some exploratory trade talks. Let's become sellers to pick up some draft capital for next year, clear some money off the books, and really begin a bit of a rebuild here and a refresh, especially because they don't know really what they have in Sam Howell. But you could get to a position where you could come away maybe with a Drake May if things bounce your way with a rebuild. But they go down to Atlanta and they win. So I think they're one of those teams, guys, that has a little bit of an identity crisis because what do you do? Mm -hmm. You have Montez Sweat. You have... Uh, Chase Young, you only have one franchise tag to use on one of those guys. You have $74 million in cap space going into next year. You have some tradable pieces. I still think at the end of the day, the commanders wind up being sellers, but that process would have accelerated had they lost to Atlanta last week, according to people I talked to within the league. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, Matt, how um, how real are the Lions? I mean, we, I think we all thought going into the season, they're going to be able to score. There's no question. Yeah. And I I gave Tone some numbers pre-show. I'll just throw them at you real quick here. Jared Goff, last 17 games, 4,473 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, four picks, completing 68% of his passes in the team's 13-4. and four. Their defense has been better. They, they, they've come of age a little bit quicker, I think, than maybe some of us anticipated. But how real do you think they are? Yeah, I've nicknamed a couple times in print, Rob, uh, Jared Goff, Captain Consistency, because that's just what he's been the last few weeks, especially when you have such a reliable weapon in Sam Laporta, who, as a rookie, I mean, if it weren't for C.J. Stroud, you might have a conversation about Sam Laporta being the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. Uh, Jamison Williams, we touched on him being a deep threat. And, you know, you talk to people inside the league, the Aiden Hutchinson pick, and, and consequently the Jaguars passing on Aiden Hutchinson might go down as one of the biggest whiffs in NFL draft history yeah, because, man. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson looks like he's going to play his way into the defensive player of the year conversation alongside the likes of T.J. Watt and Miles mm -hmm. Garrett, Nick Bosa, and, and Micah Parsons every single year. He looks that good and that disruptive. And when you run the ball as effectively as they do, when you get after the passer as well as they do, when you're as opportunistic as they are in the secondary with as much talent as they have on defense – 
that's a team that travels. And, you know, if you're looking towards the postseason, the Lions have a feel of one of those teams that can go into a Philadelphia, go into a Dallas, and just ruin a day and play the 49ers close. And it might even be a coin flip in a playoff situation against Mm -hmm. a team like San Francisco. I think the Lions are legit. I think they're for real. And the scariest part for the rest of the NFC is outside of Jared Goff, and as well as he's playing, it might not matter. They're pretty young. You look at what they've done the last couple of drafts. They have the pieces in place to be pretty good for a long time. Good point. Yeah, you know, you brought up an interesting point about the Giants being one of the more, one of the most disappointing teams in football right now. Um, So I want to take it a step further with you. Um, Outside of the Giants, who else has been a bigger disappointment? And on top of that, who has whose success has shocked you the most uh, through, through these first six weeks? Again, we have a long season to go. Anything can happen. But who's that other team that has disappointed you this season? And also, who's uh, another team that has had a certain type of success that you maybe didn't see coming? Yeah, I think the two disappointing teams are the Patriots and the Broncos. I mean, you look at the, oh, yeah. the, the rosters in place there. It's obvious that the the Jets have been passed by by the teams in that division. Yep. But I didn't think Mac Jones was going to be this bad. And I certainly didn't expect him to be this dreadful with Bill O'Brien back in place there, you know, given their prior relationship and given O'Brien's propensity for developing quarterbacks. And I don't even know where to start with Denver. I mean, if, if, if it's not bolted to the floor, it should be for sale and it should be traded. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, think about, think about I mean, the way he yapped before the season, does anybody look worse than Peyton right oh, now? No, bad. no. And, and you think about where they are. You're, you're picking third right now. If the season ended today, they'd be picking third behind the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Bears. So you're going to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. Drake May, you're going to come away with Drake May in this draft. Right. So you're going to be fine, but don't mess it up. Don't, don't go out and try to win a couple of games like – Trade Jerry Judy, trade Garrett Bowles, trade uh, – Justin Simmons might be a guy that you want to keep because he's mm-hmm. still relatively young. Um, but trade anybody who you don't believe is your franchise cornerstone and just rebuild. And I don't know that that's something that Sean Payton signed up for. I mean, you might right. want to look at buyout language if you're the, the Broncos front office uh, because that just is a colossal dumpster fire up there with um, not a lot of talent for this year and a long way to go if you're going to rebuild by trading everybody. And, Tony, you asked about the team that surprised me the most. You know, I didn't have that high of expectations for the Jets. I thought they were probably the third-best team in that division. I, I picked the Dolphins coming out of it, winning the, the NFC AFC East. But I'm pretty surprised that their 500 with Zach Wilson being as limited as they are um, offensively. And I spoke to a Jets executive right after the game on Sunday, just to kind of put in context what they were feeling in that building coming off of beating the Eagles. And he said, Matt, point blank, we've had to change our entire identity and mindset on defense from a team that would be protecting leads to being a a team defensively that has to be the catalyst for winning because Mm. we don't have a competent offense or a competent quarterback. And, you know, they're playing like it right now defensively, like they feel like they can walk into a building and beat anybody. Mm. And that's a scary thought. So even though they're only 500, even though they're probably not playing as well as, as people might've thought going into the year with Zach Wilson, at quarterback, I think the jets are my answer for the team that's having more success than I thought they'd have. Lamba, let, let's talk about the dolphins, man. I, I mean, oof. all right. So offense 37.2 per game. First <laughs> rushing attack. 181.8. Give me chills, Rob. Give me chills. First. <laughs> Passing 316.8 first total yards 498.7 first. I, I mean, I, 
in the defensive numbers are eh. I got to be honest with you. They're eh. But when your offensive numbers are that, the other team's got to go bananas just to, just to keep pace here. Are the Eagles in trouble here this week with this squad? Well, Rob, I had for the first three weeks of the year, uh, prior to them losing in Buffalo, I had the Dolphins as number one on my power rankings. I had them back in the number one spot going into this week. So I think that a lot of teams, including the Eagles, will be worried about this matchup. I saw a chart yesterday in terms of passing efficiency and rushing efficiency combined. The Dolphins are leaps and bounds better than anybody in the league when you think about you know those two categories. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is a team that taxes you in a lot of ways offensively, that they they should keep defensive coordinators awake at night. And I think it's one of these games where if the Eagles don't commit to the running game and limit opportunities and, and if they allow this to get into a track meet situation, I mean, against that secondary, they might put up 35 points. And I don't know that the Eagles offense, as it's built right now, especially without Lane Johnson, is built to match that. So, yeah, I, I think Philadelphia and a lot of teams should be worried about this Dolphins team and uh, what they've shown they're capable of. Matt, last one for me, man. I know you're a Lehigh Valley guy, so I got to I, I, I gotta go this route with you, man. Uh, I know we talked about football the entire time, but we got to jump uh, to the baseball side of things, man. These Philadelphia, yes. these Philadelphia Phillies, they are – they are who we thought they were, you know what I mean? And and uh, it's, it's 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 just been spectacular to watch. You know, you see Bryce Harper going crazy on his birthday. Kyle Schwarber woke up. Nick Castellanos, in my opinion, has been the story of the offseason with his home runs and his ability to just be a clutch performer time and time again. Um, pitching has been great. Nola has shown up. Wheeler's showing up. The bullpen, I don't think they've given up a home run all postseason. If I'm not mistaken, somebody please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but overall, man, I, I, I want to get what you know. I want I, I want to get your fan perspective because I, I I listen. I searched your Twitter a little bit, man. I saw your daughter. You know, she was she, she was all with the, with the fanatics and the Philly guy. I saw that, man. And um, I, I want to get your fan perspective. I can tell you, uh, Matt's an all around fan. I, if I knew that from doing enough shows with Matt, he's not. Just I want to get your perspective, man. Like, what are you feeling uh, about these Philadelphia Phillies? About these Phillies right now? How far do you think they can go? Can they win it all? Just you know, just just lay it all on us, Matt. Yeah, you guys, if you follow me on Twitter, admittedly, I was a little bit neurotic during the, the Brave series. And somebody said I had dual personality disorder <laughs> watching this team. Because, listen, I, I thought that whoever comes out of that series goes on to win the World Series. Those are the two best teams in baseball. That was the best lineup in baseball, One of the probably one of the top lineups ever assembled. And the Phillies took care of business there. And admittedly, I was living and dying on every single pitch in that series. I don't think that if there's ever been a more pressure situation. The Phillies came out of that. And by contrast, last night we lit up the fireplace, cracked open the pumpkin beer, had my feet propped up on the couch. Yep. No worries at all. And again, I might live to regret this, but no worries at all about Arizona. I think that the Phillies win this thing in five. They might even sweep depending on wow. what they do tonight. Wow. Um, you know, if you go out and you beat them like six to one in game two, and you fly out to Arizona, that feels like the Diamondbacks are flying back for their own funeral. Maybe the Phillies will celebrate in the pool, kind of like the Diamondbacks did to get Adam to the Hall. NLCS. Yes. But, you know, I, I just think this team is built better even than a year ago. The bullpen is deeper. You saw that last night, even when Sir Anthony Dominguez got in a little bit of trouble, pitched his way out of it. Right. Uh, I think that Wheeler and Nola are completely dialed in. And Ranger Suarez has developed into a real weapon. Um, as that number three starter in a bullpen game situation. And the offense, I mean, that lineup is what it is. When you can drop Trey Turner into what they had a year ago and you have Schwarber hitting leadoff bombs and Castellanos being captain consistency and Bryce Harper, you know, being Mr. October uh, 2.0, 
I don't know how you beat this team. And I think once they got by Atlanta, it felt like that was the uh, the ticket being punched maybe to a parade. All right, I'm mm. going to stay off the NFL theme, but I'm going to go back to football here with Penn State. I know where uh, you're going. Yeah. So this is a biggie Saturday, Matt. Uh, yep. Undefeated Penn State, ranked uh, seven or six, depending on you know what poll you follow. Ohio, Ohio State number three here. This is a big one for the uh, for the Franklin era. What do you, what do you think here? Yeah, I think that this is, and I tweeted this this morning, I think this is the deepest and most talented team James James Franklin has had in his tenure in Happy Valley. I think it's the first team that's really beat to built to beat Ohio State. And I think they've recruited for the last four or five years to beat Ohio State. That's why you saw them take a lead into the fourth quarter a year ago against Ohio State but get blown out by Michigan. Penn State has, you know, Drew Aller, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, number one total defense in the country top rushing attack in the Big Ten, top rushing defense in the Big Ten. I think they go in there and they win the game. And, and you know, I, you know, me, I'm a Penn State fan. That, that's yeah. where I've channeled a lot of those fandom emotions into along with the Phillies since I started covering the NFL. But just objectively speaking, I think this is their best chance of the Franklin era to knock off Ohio State. Uh, I think they get the job done and you see what happens against Michigan at home in about three or four weeks. All right. Go to beer. Man, that depends on the season. But right now, I'm really feeling yeah. the Trogues uh, Master of Pumpkins. Okay. It's like a 7.6 alcohol by volume. They That'll get you there Pennsylvania quick. pumpkins in there. Yeah. Uh, so this time of year, it's the pumpkin beer with the windows cracked a little bit. Get that fall feel going, I like especially it. during a Phillies playoff game. Nice. Hey, listen, man. Let's Matt, go great Iron stuff. Pigs. Let's yeah. go Iron Pigs. Let's do it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> go Pigs. That's awesome, man. All right. So, uh, again, you can check out Matt's work uh, at FanBuzz. He is the senior national NFL insider also on Twitter or X, uh, at Matt Lombardo NFL. We always love having him on. Matt, appreciate Absolutely. a couple of minutes, man. Robbie Tone, appreciate it. Enjoy your day. Go Phils. Likewise. Okay. Take, Take care, care sir. Man. Appreciate Matt's you. That's the best, man. All right. All right. Let's get a quickie in here, Tone. Always fun talking, catching up and talking everything Definitely. with Matt. Definitely. Let's get a quickie in here, and we'll come back. We'll uh, we'll dive into our NFL segment. We'll look at last night's game with the Chargers and the Cowboys, update you on a bunch of different injuries, some other things that are going on in the league. Uh, we'll get to all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Tone to Shields. He's in for Gunner. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted tree off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. They are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and northern Delaware. Flynn Tree Services specializes in tree removal, stump grinding, as well as tree pruning. You could go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848, 610-850-2848, or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. number three of the program that is tone i am rob we're hanging out with you by the way thursday we'll have chris franklin from nj.com he'll be joining us to talk some birds uh as well we just wrap things up with matt lombardo if you missed any of that you can always go back and watch uh jacobsports.com or jacobsports youtube channel and you can always watch any uh portion of the show or the show in its entirety so uh all right a couple things tone cowboys beat the chargers last night admittedly uh, I was more locked in on the Phillies, uh, but I certainly had both going at the same time and, and checking it out. And I got to tell you, man, um, and I went back and watched some of the highlights today and in, in reading, you know, a lot about the game. Like I said with Matt, I know the Cowboys won 20 to 17, but I wasn't impressed with either team. Frankly, I really wasn't. Um, it didn't. It didn't make me feel if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm not feeling a whole lot better about my situation. Like. I, I didn't like the way McCarthy coached the game. I didn't like the way he handled things at the end of the first half. You know, there were there were just other things you kind of scratch your head a little bit. And I don't like the Charger coach even a little bit. I should think he should have been gone after this year. But but anyway, uh, Cowboys do win, and they needed that to keep pace here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've never been a fan of the Chargers head coach uh, Brandon Staley. I believe his name is. He just yeah. seems like a guy that he seems like a guy that's regularly uh, in his team's way uh, with with his decision making. 
And I just feel like he doesn't bring the best out of uh, Justin Herbert. If I'm being completely honest, I think I think the, the, the team doesn't even respond to him anymore at this point. I think they just get by on talent yeah. uh, at this point. But they've underachieved ever they've underachieved since he's been there. Um, as far as the Cowboys go, man, look, I'm sure they got the win, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, it's a long season. Get the win, go home, do what you got to do, get back on track, right? Mm-hmm. So they did their job, they got the win. But you're right, though. I still see, I still see uh, deficiencies. I still see deficiencies in their offense. It seems like they're, seems like they're handcuffing Dak a little bit. Like, like, like they're still afraid to let him let loose. Yeah. Um. I don't, I don't know if they've lost a certain level of trust in him. Um. But still, they got the win. Uh, CD Lamb had his best game in the year: seven catches, 117 yards. Dak. Dak had his best rushing performance that I've seen in a while. Seven yep. carries, 40 yards, a touchdown. So um, Dak Prescott, in my opinion, has always been at his best when he's able to be mobile. Um, ever since that injury, he hasn't really been as mobile. And you know, you see a difference in just how he plays the game. Um, look, the Dallas Cowboys are always going to be a threat. And no matter how people want to you know, carve it out, you know, look, my fandom aside, right, this is me speaking objectively. We have, we have to respect the Cowboys at all times because – during the Dak Prescott era, he's eight and three against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, Dak Prescott has dominated the Philadelphia Eagles more times than not. That's that's what the record says. Forget your feelings, forget your fandom. I'm I, I'm Eagles fans. We, we like this, right? I hate Dallas, but you, but you, but game got to recognize game, and they may suck against everybody else, but when they but when they play us, they they show up for. Yeah, until proven otherwise. Yeah, I'm with you. Until you prove you can stop him or contain him or beat them with him, then don't tell me that the Eagles are just going to roll through them. I just don't buy it. Right. Yeah. You know, at at, at best, at best this season, you can hope for a split at best. Yeah. Um, But if you end up sweeping a man, that'd be a gift, right? Absolutely. So, so again, you know, the I don't Dallas expect Cowboys, a sweep, by the way. The yeah, neither do I. I, I. I had that at a split. I think you and I actually talked about the schedule. Um, before the season started, I think I, we yeah, yeah, I was covered for D Gun then. Yep. Um, yeah, man, I ex- I expect a split now. Now, where that split happens, you know, you know, take, take you know, pick your poison. But yeah, um, look, they got the win. They did what they were supposed to do. You know, in a tough environment on the road, got to res- you know, got to respect that first and foremost, right? Yeah. The yeah. Philadelphia Eagles, they didn't do their job this past weekend. You know, maintaining distance between them. Now there's a one game, a one game spread between the uh, between the two teams instead of instead of being two. And yeah. we were hoping we were hoping for three if they lost, but not, not, nothing happened the way it was supposed to for the Philadelphia Eagles over the weekend. So, um, gotta respect what Dallas did. Um, Justin Herbert, let's talk about him. Well, yeah, I mean, when, when, are, we, when are we going to start having a real conversation about Justin Herbert, like a real one? Like you can throw for five thousand yards all you want. Yeah. The reality is, you don't win. You don't. You don't. You don't win when you when your team needs you to win the game. Yeah. You take a sack. You throw an interception. You got to be better than that, in my humble opinion. I agree. Look, I I think he's nobody would argue talent, but there's a lot of talented guys. Like you know what I mean. Dude, Rivers was talented, and look sure, at that. sure. But we have to see it in big spots. Now, I agree. Like what I'm going to be really curious about. I think this will be the last year of Brandon Staley, depending on who goes in there. What this looks like next year under. I'm not making excuses for for Herbert, believe me. But I would just be curious to see what it looks like next year under a new coach. But yes. I, there's there's a lot of hype and he got paid a lot of money time to start delivering in late game big moments and we like to me i don't see enough of that i see great throws from time to time in games where you're yeah. like oh, you know whatever but like biggest of moments man deliver and i know he's playing with the finger and all that stuff whatever. it's not your throwing hand you'll be okay I agree. you know what I'm saying? I agree Look, with you. a lot of people want to give him a pass 
for that Jaguars debacle in the playoffs last year. Not no. me. I will never forget it. A lot, no you know, people, and the reason I don't is because people are so quick to point out, you know, Jalen Hurts and those guys, and you know, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence's deficiencies. Obviously, he had a bad first season with Urban Liar, but yeah, um, you know, it's just. Justin Herbert seems like this golden child, this crown jewel that the yeah, NFL, he, he that the NFL touch, was trying right. to protect. And my thing is, he doesn't win. Yeah. And he's blown one of the biggest leads I've seen in the playoffs. They yeah. were dumb. Yeah, defense did everything in that first half. Yeah. All you got to do is get first downs. You don't even got to score anymore. Just get first mm -hmm. downs. Sustain. Yeah. And then we do that. No, I agree. I agree. So if, real quick, if you look at the standings here in the – I'll do the AFC in a second. But if you do the a NFC right now, San Francisco and the Eagles and the, and the Lions are all five and one. Um, San Fran, at least right now, again, I'm not going to get into tiebreakers. We're six games in, but it's San Fran, Eagles, Lions. Then you get the drop a bit. Tampa Bay, who lost this past week to the Lions. Then it's the Cowboys. Um, they're four and two. The Cowboys have more wins. Yeah, the Cowboys four and two. Tampa Bay's three and two. Yeah, but the Cowboys, because the, at least, again, if you're looking at the standings, the, right. the tr Tampa's the division winner, so they're higher. That's the way the NFL does it. But whatever. I know what you're saying. Seattle's 3-2, and two, and then it's the Rams. So that, that's kind of what you're looking at here. And then everybody else, you fall off a cliff. It's like right. Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans. You, you, that's it. AFC, go to the other side of this thing. Um, Kansas City, Miami, Baltimore. Jacksonville has has kind of resurrected themselves. Mm -hmm. Buffalo got fortunate in that win on Sunday night. Steelers, Browns. For me in the AFC, you fall off really after Buffalo, after your top five. I think there's a there's a bit of a chasm there. Hasn't um, the AFC been a bit of a disappointment? We, yes. thought, the, we thought the AFC was going to be a, a more of a gauntlet. And it seems like everybody out everybody outside of the Dolphins lack consistency. I went with you. Like, that's one of the things I was going to throw at Matt, but we just didn't have enough time. But I agree with you. I think gen if you look at them generally, Miami obviously has been awesome. Kansas City is with them. Unless, until you knock them off, they are what they are. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, I've watched Baltimore a bunch of times. I'm not overly impressed. I've watched Jacksonville a few times. I'm not overly impressed. Buffalo's eminently beatable. Pittsburgh's mm -hmm. not special. Cleveland's got a nasty defense. I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback position. If, if Watson comes back and starts playing well, they're dangerous. I will say that. I think Indy's in trouble, although Steichen's done a great job. Uh, I think D'Amico's done a great job in Houston. But but if you're just talking about real contending teams, it's not as good head to toe as we thought it was going to be. At all. Let, me ask you, let me ask you a question really quickly. This is kind of um, – I'm curious to know your thoughts about this. Yeah. We talk about the contenders all the time, right? Obviously, Eagles, Niners – uh, we talk about Miami, we talk about Chiefs, all those teams, right? Who, which team that we don't see them as contenders at all? Which, which, which is your favorite? Which team is your favorite young team to watch right now? A team that's up and coming, a team that's still trying to figure things out. Which, what's your favorite? Who's your favorite team right now that's trying to figure it out? For me, it's the Houston Texans. It's Houston. Yeah, I I, I would agree with it's Houston. I, I wouldn't put Cleveland in the up and coming category. They're, right. they're kind of. They need to show you now. Like, they need to make a move. Uh, I would say Houston is definitely one of them. Um, boy, is there anybody else? I, not really. Like, there were teams that I thought would take strides this year that haven't. Uh, I thought Atlanta would be better than they are. They're right. they're nothing special. Um, really, I honestly, Houston's the only one I put in that category. I think – I think I like Indy, the Rams. 
I like the I Rams. I do like the Rams. They're not they're not young though with with Stafford. Well, well, outside of, outside of that quarterback position, they're outside of the quarterback position in Cooper Cup. They're pretty young everywhere else. I mean, Aaron Donald was, you know, their vet on defense, but they're pretty young on defense. Yeah, and, and Puka um, and those guys yeah, are young. I, yeah, and they drafted well. I feel like, and you know, they don't really have too many first round draft picks. They kind of leveraged everything for that Super Bowl. And look, I, I respect you got the win. Yeah. Um, I think the Rams are a team that they're about maybe one or two good drafts from being back in the mix. I agree. No, I, I can't argue. And, and, that. and that's a and that's a hell of a that's something to say thinking about what they gave up to get what they what they have now. Oh yeah. The the question for them is going to be like, what does Stafford look like in two years or three years? And, good point. Very good. That's point. the one thing with the Rams. You know, we just don't know. But I will say this too. I think Indy's in the right hands with Steichen. I just. You know, obviously, let's get to that right now. So, Anthony Richardson, it looks like he's going to be done for the year with shoulder yeah. surgery. That sucks. But I like. I him. think I think with Steichen, and if they get the shoulder right after the surgery going forward, Indy's going to get it turned around quick. They have Taylor locked up now. They got to add some receivers. They got to get Anthony Richardson a little bit of help in terms of wideouts. But they have a good O line. Uh, they have some pieces on defense. Watch them next year. I'm telling you, watch the Colts yeah. next year. Watch the Texans. The AFC South is going to write itself and flip itself into being pretty good with Houston and Indy and Jacksonville. We're going to look at them next year and be like, that's a pretty good division. Yeah, that's my favorite up-and-coming division right now. Um, I'm so looking forward to the matchups three, four, five years from now between Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. I have no idea where the Titans are going to go with quarterback. Um, But I'm so excited to see – Anthony Richardson and C.D. Stroud and Trevor Lawrence battle each other out, you know, uh, two times a year. Yeah. C.J. Stroud, man, what a story, right? Oh. Like, you know, coming from coming from a program where they're not known for quarterbacks at all. Well, the quarterbacks at haven't all. worked out. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Hey, bro, yeah, they haven't worked out in the NFL. Um, but he seems like a guy that's making it happen with not even not even having that many spectacular weapons. He seems like a guy that's making the most out of his situation. And I respect that first and foremost. He has the Houston Texans at 500. And the reality is there's there's very much still in play for that division. I mean, they're three and three. Colts are three and three. Jaguars are four and two. We've seen Jaguars drop games they should have won and vice versa. So um, the Houston Texans can very well sneak Maybe I don't know. Maybe they could sink it to the playoffs, man. That that'd be a hell of a story for CD Stroud. Oh God, yeah. It, it would really. It would be amazing. I, I mean, it would be incredible for, for the coach and the quarterback if that were the case. No doubt. Yeah. Um, all right. Beyond that, so Trevor Lawrence. Speaking of the AFC South, Trevor Lawrence's knee. It, they don't think it's severe, but it's hard to get it turned around and play on Thursday night after he gets hurt on Sunday. So. That one's up in the air. If he can't go, it'll be C.J. Beathard uh, as the starter against mm. New Orleans on Thursday night. But they may have dodged a little bit of a bullet there. Um, Giants, I just want to touch back on the Giants because we talked about Panthers. They play Panthers. They play Panthers on Thursday. Or Panthers, excuse me. Well, I'm um, sorry. It's 12 o'clock. Well, 1 o'clock your time. My apologies. Uh, they play Panthers on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Um, the Giants, real quick. 11.8 points per game. It's the worst in the NFL uh, in terms of points per game. The last touchdown that they scored was September 21st. Um, so that I, I feel like you can just almost discount them. I know Washington sort of kept hopes alive by winning, but I, I think ultimately they don't they just feel like an eight and nine team. The commanders. Commanders? Eight yeah. nine-ish, nine yeah. and eight. But they're, it's not going to be enough either way. They're gonna flirt they're gonna flirt around the five hundred mark. Eight and nine, maybe. What maybe seven and ten, like, like, but yeah. that's, that's that's honestly where they are. 
Um, as far as the Giants go, we spoke about this off air, right? They completely screwed themselves uh, you know, signing uh, Daniel Jones to that long-term contract. What they yeah. should have did was they should have been patient with their success. I think, I think they, I think they got bullheaded when they made it to the playoffs and they just thought they were further along than what they really were. Yep. And and Daniel Jones fooled them. When in reality, that that offense goal is a Saquon Barkley goes. Mm-hmm. But my point in bringing that up is by them giving him that contract and not picking up the option, now they're tied to him for the long term. And also on top of that, if you would have picked up the option, at the very least, if things would have panned out the way it's currently panning out, but you picked up the option instead, mm-hmm. you could have been in a position to get one of these top-tier quarterbacks that are coming out of the college, like Caleb um, Caleb Williams and Drake, Drake May. May. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what Shador Sanders is going to do, but, yep. you know, you 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 the, the, the Giants shot themselves in the foot, and they've made terrible front office decisions, and it's going to bite them in the long term. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right, elsewhere. Um uh, no Kyron Williams for the Rams this week against the Steelers. Uh, they're running back, their lead running back. Jimmy G looks like a good prognosis on his back, but they're still not sure if he's going to be able to start. He had to go to the hospital. So that that was, again, the feels like a lot of guys other than maybe Anthony Richardson dodging bullets here. Um, not so much for Justin Fields. Looks like he's out this week with that thumb. Um, mm. Is it a strong hand? Yeah. Chicago's in that same category, like – as the Giants and, and the Broncos, it's, it feels like a disastrous year. It really mm. just does. Ooh, let me ask you a question really quickly now. You just you, you just kind of sparked my interest. Uh, Justin Fields, Ohio State quarterback. C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. Who do you think – everything everything that we know up until this point, who do you think has the better career? I'll tell you, I, I it's Stroud because I think he's going to be put in a position to succeed better – than what they've done to Justin Fields so far. I think Fields' success might come somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've done him any favors with the coaching that they have they have had around him, nor have they put enough weapons around him. And I know they added DJ Moore this year, but I don't think it's been enough. I think Stroud is in an environment where he can do well and thrive, and that's what you're seeing. He's thriving because of it. I think a lot of this comes down to where you end up and who you end up with. And it's taken nothing away from C.J. Stroud, but I just think he's in, being in Houston – Man, he's way better off. I don't. I, right now, there's a lot of questions. I I was not bullish on Fields like say Matt Lombardo was. Matt admitted that. I I said give this guy a chance, give him mm-hmm. some weapons where he doesn't have to just run for his life. And even with some weapons, he hasn't looked great so far this year. So I've right. been a little bit disappointed in in, uh, yeah. in in Fields this year. So I'm gonna go Stroud. I, I feel you on that. You know the the offensive line in in, in Chicago is still not good. Their defense yeah. is still not good. Um. Let me ask you this now. Let's focus on Justin Fields for a second. Yeah. If you're Justin Fields and let's just say he starts to make strides, right? If you're Justin Fields and the Bears decide to not pick up your option. Okay. But but you but but you make a but you make a stride to the point where they're like, okay, we want to pay you now. I guess I guess what I'm trying to ask you is if you're Justin Fields and if Chicago offers you a long-term contract, do you take it? Um good question. I I I, I know I, I know it's a lot of money that they, that they give these guys, but all right. money ain't good money, right? So me, if I'm Justin Fields, 
I'm taking my talents to South Beach, and what I mean is I'm taking I'm taking it somewhere else. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I, I yeah I think else. so too. I think it I think it depends. Like if there's a new coaching staff in place, and I feel like either the head coach or the offensive coordinator are someone that I can grow with that are going to you know do the things for me that that we were just talking about. Maybe then I stay. If not, I'm rolling. You know the other the other tough thing. Bears are going to have a very difficult decision, man. Like the the the, the NFL draft order. You know, for next year, if Chicago keeps playing this way, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're going to have top two picks. What do you do? You know what I'm saying? Like they have the pick from Carolina, which they traded to for let Carolina get up and get Bryce Young, right? And they have their their own pick. They're probably going to have the one two pick here. So, do you take Drake May? Do you take? You know, or uh, Caleb Williams, or whatever, whoever your guy is coming out. Have you seen enough from Justin Fields to do that? Here's my thing, right? Yeah, they can they can keep swapping quarterbacks as much as they want. The Bears haven't shown an ability to develop quarterbacks. So, how how much success? How much how much more success could you have with a different quarterback when your organization hasn't shown an ability to to develop quarterbacks? Right? It's kind of like it's kind of like you're just starting over. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying Justin Fields is the best quarterback in the world, but I know damn sure he hasn't been given the best opportunity to, to succeed in Chicago. So I don't even trust Chicago with another quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, I agree with you. I, it's it, it's it's a million-dollar question there, what, what's going to end up happening. Um, beyond oh, oh, that – Wait, Rob, sorry. I'm so sorry. You just you just piqued my interest with this draft order now with yeah, Chicago. Yeah. Take a look at the top, the top five choices, the top five um, teams – in terms of draft right board. now, in terms of worst records, yeah, it's right. Chicago, Chicago, it, Denver, Arizona, New York Giants. Yes. Those five picks are owned by teams that are dedicated either top assets or big money to the quarterback. Correct. So, what happens to these guys like Caleb Williams and Drake May? What happens in the draft when the top five picks are owned by teams that have committed so much to the quarterbacks that they have now? How does that work? Do other teams try to trade up? This is going to be a very fascinating draft, all things considered. Yep. And you could even take it a step further. Take it all the way down to seven. Okay. So Minnesota right now has Kirk Cousins. He's a free mm-hmm. agent at the end of the year. Are they just going to let him walk? Right. New England still has Mac Jones. Have they seen enough this year? I think they probably have, but I'm hypothetically, have they seen mm-hmm. enough to to draft a quarterback if you're if you're the hoodie, you know, and, and get your mojo back if you're staying there? To try and get you find the next Tom Brady, whatever. Then there's the Giants who are locked into to, to Daniel Jones at number five. Then there's Arizona locked into Kyler Murray. Then there's Denver with all that money still owed to Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And then there's Chicago with Justin Fields. The top seven teams all have big time decisions to make on how they go about this thing with quarterbacks. That's yeah, I mean, that's gonna be really there's gonna be a lot of changes. It's gonna be a lot of changes, yeah. man. The NFL loves this stuff, man. Storybook, oh, man. Story all, and so do we. <laughs> yeah, we sure do, man. Keep By the, the content rolling. Keep uh-huh. the content rolling. Amen. Um, all right. Uh, this one is like, c- can we can we stop, please? All right. So Robert Sala continues oh, down this Aaron Rodgers uh, road that he could be coming back. Um, he says he's on a mission to play. He's not using crutches or any kind of walking aid, and he's throwing passes now. This guy tore his Achilles in September, Tone. We're not even out of October yet. We have basically two weeks of October left, and we're already hearing he may come back. This is a six- to nine-month injury. 
for most people. Like, I don't know what, what exactly is the end game from Salah here by, by pumping this up this much. Listen, unless Aaron Rodgers found the Mario magic mushroom, he's not playing. He's not playing this season, man. Like give it up. I understand it's, 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 it's interesting conversation or whatever. I understand you're hoping for the best. And of course I would love Aaron Rodgers to heal like Captain America, right? I would love for him. I would love for him to heal like Wolverine. Right. But the reality is he's 40 plus years old coming off with torn Achilles. That's an investment. You guys give up a lot to get him. I think you guys would be fools to actually throw him out there sooner than when he has to. So look, man, like I said, if he had, unless he found the magic mushroom or something or the, or the the spectacular peyote or something or magic TP to sit in, but he's not he's not playing this year, man. Just just yeah. just let it go. Yeah, it is it is. Uh, all right, elsewhere. So the the Niners are saying that Debo with the shoulder is day to day. There's some optimism, but they're still really not sure on McCaffrey. So McCaffrey's dealing with a rib and an oblique. True. Debo's dealing with a shoulder. Yeah, it 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 seems to me like th- this is not one. You want to be rushing really on either guy. You don't want to be rushing on either guy, but especially that an oblique is a weird injury, man. I, right. I would not mess around. I'd, I'd sit McCaffrey for a couple of weeks here if I'm the Niners. Here's the thing, man. The you know when when it comes to the NFL, beyond just being the most talented team, it's all about who's the healthiest by the end of this yep. thing, right? You yep. can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not healthy, what what difference does it make? Think about yep. the Philadelphia Eagles. They have so many injuries on that defense side of the ball, and. The Niners, they're getting their injuries on the offensive side of the ball. So it's like, you know, these top two teams that a lot of people deem to have another rematch in the NFC Championship, now the injuries are starting to really take an impact on those guys. But, yeah. you know, when you think about the 49ers, man, those are some two those are two key cogs in what they want to do on offense. And Brock Purdy leans heavily on CMC and Debo Samuel to, um, you know, to, to allow him to do the things he wants to do. Um Kyle Shanahan does a great job at creating opportunities for, uh, you know, for Brock Purdy to deliver that ball. And I think Brock Purdy has um, played himself uh, into a great situation. And, you know, I think Brock Purdy, I think he's a good, he, I think he's a good quarterback, right? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to judge him losing those guys in that game against the, against the, uh, against the uh, Browns. Yeah. And then the Browns have the number one defense. So yeah, he had two forces working against him. Um, you know, so I think the Niners, and the Eagles, they're going to be two fascinating teams to watch because we need to we need to see, you know, you know, in a larger sample size, how impactful these injuries are going to be in terms of their overall success. And again, it's all about the war of attrition, right? Who's the healthiest when it matters most? Who gets hot at the right time? It's a long season. I know people want to jump down the Niners' throats for the Browns' loss. I know the Eagles want to chop off the Eagles' heads because of the Jets' loss, and I'm one of them, right? But it's a long season. Yeah. Anything can happen. Any given Sunday, this is a war of attrition. Let's 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 be along for the ride. Let's stay for a good time and not for the wrong time. Okay, so this yeah. is this this is this is going to be really fun to watch, man. Again, this is all storybook, man. This this is where legacies are written. This is going to be a fun NFL season, man. Whoever whoever's the last man standing in, in the NFC East, man, it's going to be exciting. It is. It really is. Uh, now, if you've been paying attention to the Bengals, you know they have a, they had their fair share of offensive struggles. Now they've gotten it together from a team standpoint. Mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks and we've seen them before start slow and then really come on so you never write the Bengals off um but Brian Callahan who's their offensive coordinator was none too happy after reviewing the film so um their offense only put up 214 yards total uh three points in the last 27 minutes and 20 seconds now they won the game 17 13 but he's ticked 
He said, quote, um, I, I was on my couch last night watching my iPad just fuming. We have too many good coaches, too many good players uh, to not play to our standard that we have set for ourselves. Now, if you didn't realize it, the, the Bengals are ranked 27th in points scored, last in offensive yards. I mean, that if you would have told me that after six games with Joe Burrow and, and – right. Jamar Chase, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and T has better injury this season. I think woo. T has been hurt the past couple yeah, games. But, like that. Like but, but still, Tyler Boyd. Boyd. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Man, that is that's crazy. I, yeah. I did not I mean, I know they've been poor, but and in some of that was Burrow wasn't himself the first what three weeks, whatever. It looks like he's getting a little bit healthier, but that's bad. That is yeah. that is not good. It's so funny, right? I was talking to Sills about this yesterday. When you look at all the all the teams, right, that we deem to be contenders, especially yeah. especially like the top five, and you know that's Eagles, Niners, uh, Chiefs, um, Bengals, Dolphins, right? You know those you know those are the teams that we really look at and say, okay, they're they're legit, really. But when you look at all those teams, all of them, yeah, isn't there something quirky about every single one of them? Isn't there something? It doesn't seem like none of these teams are truly playing up to their standard, right? Even Miami had a loss against, you know, the um, the Bills, right? Bills, you know, they yeah, had where they, they were. The offense was shut down. Yeah, right, that's right, why. Right. Yeah, that, it, you're right. That's why you can't lose your mind after one loss. You can't, even though it's easy to. <laughs> oh, oh, look, it's it's so easy to, it's so easy to. But but yeah, again, yeah. like all the you look at all these teams and you can point out flaws and you can point out how they're not playing up to their standard or up to what we think they were last season and you know it's real easy to get on your philadelphia eagles so uh, eagles fans if, if there's any optimism just take a look around the teams that everyone looks at as contenders they're all very flawed none of them are playing up to their standard you know so just look at it from that perspective man again we're going into week seven we're not even we're, we're barely at the halfway point so again i'm trying to maintain that optimism but everyone has questions you know everyone has concerns just you know, it's all about the team who weathers the storm mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. All right, elsewhere, I don't know if you saw this. So uh, Derek Carr uh, had a blow-up on the side. Can you imagine if that happened here? We, you know, we, we would lose our mind. But he had a blow-up on the sideline with the offensive coordinator uh, for the Saints, Pete Carmichael, and, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of went off. Um, you don't want to read lips during the exchange. But, um, yeah, he was he was ticked off, and he uh, – what do you say, Rob? What do you say? I'm not. Yeah, it's all right. But anyway, he he said his his aim wasn't directly directly at the offensive coordinator, and then he did apologize. At least I'll give him that uh, to him. He's yeah. Have you? I I think I didn't love the Saints this year. Derek liked them a lot more than I did. I'm not yeah. you know talking poorly about Derek. I'm just saying. But <laughs> no, I'm talking. No, it's okay. We can talk poorly about the guns. All right. Yeah. Right. But no, I mean Carr has just been. Blah, like he's yeah, five yeah. touchdowns, three interceptions. He's got an 85.4 passer rating. He's got uh, about 1,300 yards passing, 65 completion. He's just been okay. I, I don't – I think I think it's just what he is. You know, like everybody always thought, oh, it was Raiders dysfunction, this and that. Like he's not terrible, but he's he's not you special know, either. I put, I put him in the same category with Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um. Who else right now? Um, I even at this point, well, Tannehill, he's better uh, than Tannehill, but yeah, yeah no, he's better. Than, he's better than Tannehill. Um, yeah. I even put, you know, I put him, I put him in the Garoppolo category. Uh, you know, I unfortunately at this point, you know, I even have to put um, 
what's his name? What's his name? Jesus, Deshaun Watson, right? He he's kind of just looking middle of the road, right? So yeah. I put those all those guys in that same category, guys that are average or just above average. They're not going to hurt you, but don't expect them to win it for you either. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I I think it makes sense. I I, and and here's the thing: if you're and I I just praised Cleveland because I do think they're really good, but if you're Cleveland, you have to be really concerned here. Um, You know, they're they're saying Watson's healthy enough. Enough. He's saying he's not with that rotator cuff. You still haven't really seen him start to play like Houston Deshaun Watson yet Mm -hmm. with Cleveland, and you're locked into him for a very long time for a ton of money. Like you better hope that he gets close to form or you are doomed there because they're not one of those teams that can cut him and go grab one of these guys or, or, you know, make a try, whatever you're stuck with them. So uh, I guess in some ways you want to make sure that he's totally right. But in other ways, you got to be a little bit worried about what the return you've gotten on your investment thus far. Yeah, man. The reality is, you know, I give Deshaun Watson, uh, I gave him I gave him a pass for his first Brown season because he didn't come into yeah. the you know to the tail end. So I know that's kind of like a dummy year. <clears throat> yeah. But you know, the reality is, man, they had high expectations, you know, for him uh this coming season. And he's just not he's just not living up to it, man. Five years, 230 million, fully guaranteed. He's not gonna be a free agent until 2027. Take a look at these dead cap hits, man. So in 2023, if they decided to move on, obviously they're not, but in 2023, if they decided to move on. They have a dead cap hit of 220 million. Uh, I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. No. In 2024, a dead cap hit of 200 million, 200.9 to be exact. Uh, 2025, a dead cap hit of 136.9 million. 2026, a dead cap, dead cap hit of 72.9 million. You know, 2027, uh, that's when he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and they still will owe him money. A dead cap hit of 8.9 million. So, man, they. Look, let's all right. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, I really believe Watson didn't even really want to go there. I think no, he, he went there because they gave him the most money. Yeah. Listen, they guaranteed the full contract. Listen, I'm playing on Mars if you guarantee me 230 million. Correct. I'm 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 playing on Pluto. Yeah. You know what I mean. So I understand the money aspect of it. I feel like if he was playing for any other organization, he would have played last week. Uh, yeah, I I think if you ask front office people. Um, what the worst l- contract in the history of the league is? They'll tell you it's that one. Is that one absolutely? It's, it's, it's without a shadow of a doubt. And look, man, I, I'm I'm not in, I'm not in his in his skin. I don't know what he feels, but you know what I mean. And yeah. I know some and I know some people like to argue that. Well, you know these these organiz- these team doctors, you know, they may get a little nudge from someone saying, "Hey, get him out there." You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, if if they cleared you, dog, I mean, your team won the game. They won, but but. If, if if they cleared you medically, play, man. Yeah, play. I agree with you. But but and, and it's not like you're playing for a contract. It's not like you're trying to protect like some kind of investment. You like you, you got the money. Yeah, play, man. Just yep. just just go out there and do your thing. So I'm I'm generally concerned about Deshaun Watson in the long term. I haven't seen anything from him that resembled Houston. Um, Deshaun Watson. The longer it drags on, the the uglier it's going to get. I can tell you that right now. The, the yeah. you know the, he's out again this week, and they you know they're, they're, somebody's leaking that he's been cleared, and and that which means somebody is upset and wants to you know start the meter, you know, on that and all that other stuff. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what ends up happening. All right, let's get a timeout. Let's come back. Let's roll into our final segment. Give you a little update on the Sixers. Uh, the big night tonight down at the sports complex. Uh, we'll get predictions on Game Two with Aaron Nola on the hill as well. And 
we may have had another guy poking the bear tone, another bear poke, which I'll inform you of uh, when we come back. So we'll do that as well. Birthdays, movies, all that good stuff. Don't go anywhere. He's Tony Shields in for Gunner. I'm Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Again, everybody, Rob Ellis, Tone DeShields, hanging out with you on this Tuesday. 
All right, Tone. So a couple things. Um, Donovan McNabb does a weekly uh, appearance on WIP's afternoon show with Ike Reese and John Marks. And he was on yesterday. And one of the things that he said was um, because of the, the, the little spat, the little blow up that they had on the sideline, he, they being AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts, that Jalen is um, targeting AJ a little bit too much to the detriment of the offense, or the offensive staff is calling more AJ's number more to keep him satisfied. Um, AJ then um, retorted back to uh, Donovan um, McNabb, and uh, I'm going to give you exactly what he said. Um, because it's interesting. He's what he said was the gist of it is um, what we were debating. There was not about targets. It was about something that happened earlier in the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, he said, yeah. He said like, with all due respect, I will repeat yeah. that conversation was not about targets. Yeah. Two that was, friends bumped heads about something and moved on. And if you feel that way, keep that to yourself because the media is going to hold on to everything you say out of all, out of all people, you should know better. Yeah, he. I'll give you exactly what Donovan said. He said, I go back to before the complaint from AJ. I've seen it before. I understand it. I know as a quarterback, you don't want to be involved in it. Play calls are being catered to try to feature instead of establishing a tempo and spreading the ball around. Okay. Hmm. Now, that didn't sit well with AJ Brown, uh, who read that. And you're right. He did start off. He said, quote, with all, this is a tweet, and you can follow him at, 1K always open. Uh, with all due respect, I will repeat, that conversation was not about targets. Two friends bumped heads about something and moved on. If you feel that way, keep that to yourself because the media is going to hold on to everything that you say. Out of all people, you should know better. So give me give me your thoughts on, on the both sides of this thing. You know, I've, you know, I've been asked this question about is, is AJ getting targeted too much? And, you know, I think... Okay, okay, let's just go let's just go over the past few games because obviously after that, you know, they definitely made it a point to give him the ball. But let's go to that Jets matchup, right? Yep. You know, in that game, seven catches, 131 yards. But in terms of targets, he had nine. Devontae Smith had eleven. Goddard had eight. Swift had ten. So when you think about it from that perspective, I mean, Smith got most of the targets. Right. And he just didn't make the most of them. So it looked like AJ was getting, you know, you know, over overused that he was third in targets in that game behind uh, Devontae and Swift. Swift. Right. He was right. right. He he was he was third in targets. All right. So now let's go to the game before that. Uh, The Rams matchup. You know, he he had uh, eight targets. Goddard had nine. Swift had six. Devontae had five. I think that's pretty fair distribution. Um, now the game before that, uh, the, the commanders game, he had, he had 13 targets. Devontae had nine Goddard's had four. So it was a drop off. So I, I, I think, I think Donovan is a bit jaded by his experience. Yes. He's having flashbacks of TL. With Tara Owens. Yep. And I just think they're two different guys. Yes. Um, I understand. Listen, AJ's a, a star wide receiver. He has a personality on him, but AJ hasn't shown me on a consistent basis that he's a problem. And you know, I'm not one to. I do believe that at certain points of the game, the coaches fall back on AJ to bail them out. Yes, that's what I don't like. 
I don't like because it seems like his targets come in bunches. And I and I and I think that's what people are seeing more so than anything. Because when you look at it by the end of the game, you'll say, well, he only had nine targets. This person had 12 or 11, whatever. I'm not seeing it. But I think the issue is it comes in bunches. And yeah. that's probably where the issue comes in. And people are able to hone in on that. Um, what, what, well, let me add one thing to that. Yeah, the difference, too, is AJ and Jalen are legit friends. I mean, arguably best friends who go back a long ways. Yeah. Donovan, Donovan and Tio were never buddies. They were they were placed together, you know. They whatever, but that these two were not buds. The other two are real friends. That's not BS. Yeah, when AJ so, says that, right? So you know the way I look at it, it's like, you know, I've always been to I've always been the person to take what McNabb says with a grain of salt. Same. Um, if I'm being completely honest with you, um, I'm not the biggest McNabb guy. N- nor am I. Yeah, you know, nor am I. So I'm, but you know, I don't want to allow my emotions to pollute, you know, you know how I feel about what he said. Um, maybe I, I do believe that the offense, I believe the coaches have failed to establish a tempo. I will agree with that, but I don't think it's because of what he said. I think Donovan could have said it in more of a hypothetical manner. In other words, I'm a, I played quarterback for a long time. I had guys complaining to me they're not getting the ball enough, complaining to coaches, and sometimes coaches would cater to those guys. And it would hurt our offensive flow generally. Like I think you say something like that, it's like, yeah, I get it, man. I totally get it. Yeah. But digging in on that moment, when you know, again, if you believe what AJ's saying, and then you look at the data, it's not really true, um, yeah. honestly. So, yeah. and I mean, they've won. I mean, since that, they've they've won. They had one game where they lost. So it's not like after that, the AJ's production has has led to losing. Right, they've won for the most part. They lost one game, and it, and, and it looked really, really bad. And it just so happened that most of, most of his interceptions came on AJ Brown targets. So, so, so it's right. kind of well, like it's true. Yeah, it's, it's, true. it's to me, it's low hanging fruit. Yeah, no, I got you. No, I got you. All right, I wanted to throw this at you. We mentioned that game two is tonight uh, NLCS. So Merrill Kelly, who was starting for the Diamondbacks, was asked about noise level at certain ballparks. And he was asked about the WBC, which is the Royal Baseball Classic. And he was asked about, you know, pitching uh, in Korea. So he said, quote, I haven't obviously heard this place on the field, but I'd be very surprised if it trumped that Venezuela game in the WBC down there in Miami. Now, that crowd is going to take that like it's oxygen. And as if they needed anything more to be crazy about or exuberant about or loud about, mm-hmm. it's going to be even louder tonight. Tone, I, I'm telling you, man, it's going to be louder tonight than it's been in the last series or last night. It, it is going to be crazier tonight. It is going to be absolutely mayhem tonight at that place. For yeah, him. I, th- I think it's going to be louder tonight than it was last night because the the fans understand they have a chance to go 2-0 or, or, or go up 2 on a Diamondbacks team that's, you know, been deemed as one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. Um, but as far as what Merrill Kelly said, man, dude, you gotta, you gotta read the room. But why do people I, go against history? It, it, when you poke the bear, I put it to you this way: if you see, if you see a Phillies fan in the woods fighting the bear, <laughs> help the bear, because <laughs> Phillies fans, Philadelphia fans in general, were rabid, were were ludicrous, were insatiable. We respond, we respond to shit talk (laughs) you know what i'm saying like it's just we're just a different breed so when you when you challenge 
us that way, or we bring it. It's so, a weird move, Merrill. You better, Merrill. Yeah. You you better you better come with it. Yeah. I'm sir. telling you that right now, with all yeah. due respect, you better come with it because Phillies fans are going to make sure you know that they know they heard what you said. All right. From the no surprise category last night, Sixers played the Nets in a preseason game. No Embiid. No Harden. No Daniel House. No Furkan Korkmaz. And and here's the here's the kicker. Also, I'm watching Nets people tweet out how good Ben Simmons looked, and he's back. He had like an eight, nine, and seven game, and they're like, that's the Ben Simmons that we traded for. I'm like, dude, number one, it's a preseason game. Number two, the Sixers are without basically everybody, you know, with the exception of maybe Tobias and a couple other guys and Maxi. Like, stop. Stop embarrassing yourself. I mean, give, it, it's pathetic how badly they want this narrative to flip into, like, you watch, now he's healthy. Blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, dude, talk to me when it's real and he keeps turning turning up, you know, shots that, that are that are wide open from eight feet away. That, then we'll talk. Yeah, man, I'm not, you know, the Nets fans, uh, I'm not paying them any mind. You know, as far as the Sixers go, um, we talked about this. I'm just not interested in them. You know what I mean? Like, when you, when you have a team who habitually suffers – from what they suffered from, a team that can get out of the second round when they've had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. This is going to be this is going to be this this is going to be Joel Embiid's legacy, right? Yeah, a superstar that could never get out of the second round. This is going to be his era's legacy, right? Mm-hmm. This the second round wonders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm more excited to see what Tyrese Maxey brings to the table this season. I'm more excited to see what's the next level in his development because. You know, sometimes teams shock you. The team that you didn't expect much from the, the coming season, all of a sudden they have some guys play above their pay grade. They have guys, you know, break out or whatever. You know, I'm curious to see what that looks like. I'm curious to see what Springer looks like when he's getting more minutes. But overall, when it comes to the big picture and that's winning a championship, I mean, you know, why would I why would I lock in on the team that I feel like they don't take the they don't take themselves serious enough? So yeah. um, you know, I just, you know, again, I just can't take the sixer serious right now. I'm a I'm a Tyrese Maxi guy. Um, I, I, I want the best for the team, but you know, I mean, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to have any kind of real faith in them. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. All right. Let me, uh, let's throw some birthdays your way and I'll throw some movies your way as we close it out before we give our predictions here for okay. tonight. All right. Eminem, Marshall Mathers, 51 today. I believe he's 51. Eminem's 51? 51, man. Eminem looks 31. He looks, he looks, he looks, he's <laughs> crazy, he, man. He really does. It's crazy. Uh, Felicity Jones, the actress is 40 today. Wow. Um, Norm McDonald, the actor and comedian, was born on this day, 1963. Yeah, I, th- I think he passed away, right? He did. Yeah, cancer. Cancer. Yeah, um, yeah shame. Um, Rita Hayworth, the actress, was born on this day, 1918. Arthur Miller, the writer, was born on this day, 1915. Margot Kidder, uh, the actress, she was in Superman, all the, a couple of the Supermans. Uh, she was born on this day, 1948. Evil Knievel, the daredevil. Yes. One of the great names, 1938. Evil Knievel. Yes. Montgomery <laughs> Clift, the actor, born in 1920. Michael McKeon, who played uh, Lenny in, in Laverne and Shirley, Lenny and Squiggy. Uh, he's 76 today. Wycliffe Jean is 54 today. Okay. From the Fugees. I like yes, that. That's right. Okay. Uh, Ziggy Marley, uh, one of Bob Marley's sons, is 55 today. George Went, who played Norm in Cheers, is 75 today. Mike Judge, who created Beavis and Butthead. And he also. King of the Hill. 
King of the Hill. I love King of the Hill, though. King of the Hill is an underrated Office show. It's Space hilarious. Is, is hilarious. Too. If you haven't seen Office Space, the movie, it's great. Uh, he's 61. Uh, talented guy. Howard Rollins, uh, who was a phenomenal actor, died very young, uh, was born on this day, 1950. Wood Harris, the actor. Uh, I've seen him in The Wire and a bunch of other stuff. Is 54 today. Max Irons, actor, is 38. Uh, Sharon Leal, actress, is 51. Ernie Els, the golfer, is 54. Jamal Adams of the Seahawks is 28 okay. today. Hey, Rob, um, real, real quick before we get to the movies. Yeah. You know, speaking of Evil Knievel, yes. how many times, you know, you know, you, ha- you, know, you have two uh, young adult, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, young adults. Um, a daughter is 18. A son is, well, 21, right? 22. Just turned 22, 22. 22. How many times when they were younger have you said, hey, Sit down. What do you think of Evil Knievel? Yes. How, how many like, times? How many times have you said it? <laughs> yeah, a lot. And what they're like, what is that reference? What What does that even mean? And then I had them watch a YouTube of him jumping over like you know Snake Canyon or something like that in Arizona. He when I was a little kid, he was like the thing, man. It's like oh, Evil Knievel is going to be jumping over uh, you know all these all these buses, these like greyhounds, and then he would always crash at the end of the ramp, man. I'm telling you, it was crazy. That dude, how many bones did he break? Yeah, he was he oof, he lived hard too. That guy. Um, all right, movies. 1997. I know what you did last summer. Mm. Devil's Advocate. 1997 as well. Birdman, which was kind of an interesting movie. Michael Keaton. It was all shot like with this one moving camera. It was kind of unique. Uh, if you haven't seen it, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, Fury from 2014. Great good movie. movie. Uh, Tarzan, one of the remakes, I don't know, 2013 of Tarzan. Oh, is that the one with, um, Skarsgård, uh, Alexander Skarsgård? I think that was that one. That was, that was good. That was really yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, The Sweet Life of Bees, 2008, and one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes from 2003. Oh, we better get our predictions in here. All right. Oh, I think right. the Phillies win tone, but I think tonight. Is is I know last night sort of felt like that. I think it's real nail biter tonight. I think it's a five four Phillies win, mm. and we're all going to be like oh, after it's over. What do you think? Um, I think um, I, I think I would tend to agree with you. Um, I think the score is going to be a little higher. Um, I don't think the score is high because of Nola. I think Nola maybe gives up one or two. Okay, um, bullpen but, issues maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think the bullpen kind of gives something up towards the end. Um, I think I'm I'm going I'm going Phillies. Uh, six four, six four, six, six four. Okay. But, but but it's going to be one of those games like they have every opportunity to get you know the, the bullpen has to shine at the end. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to be six four. Whereas though uh, the the Diamondbacks are always, only one swing away from you know tying this thing I like they did before. So uh, okay. six four, Kimbrel saves it again. All right, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Tell him great job filling in for Derek, man. Appreciate it and good job producing as well. Appreciate, appreciate you. you, sir. Appreciate Thanks, everybody you. in the chat, everybody streaming, everybody listening. Appreciate it as well. Uh, don't go anywhere. National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. Got her back tomorrow. We will see you guys same time, same channel. Thanks.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.